When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Welcome to SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 811. That song brings back two movies. I've been reminded of one, of course, Jack Black and the School of Rock, which is one of those classic movies, and Thor Ragnarok. That reminds me of the Thor Ragnarok and, and, and the, bad, the, bad, the bad girl, Kate Blanchett, playing the baddie. I can't remember what her name was, but yeah, a good way to start. But what was that? Hella, playing Hella, yeah. That's right, the, the goddess of evil. Anyway, no evil today, just lots of goodness and love. Lots of brotherly and sisterly love today. The Halberg Award finalists were announced yesterday, and before 11, we're going to talk to two of them. Finalist in the Sportsman of the Year category, British Open champion Paul Cole is with us shortly, and then super coach Gordon Walker, who was nominated in the Coach of the Year category again. He'll tell us the secrets to his success with Dame Lisa Carrington. Tennis is high on the agenda at 11 with the Australian Open looming. Commentator Robbie Koenig is live from Adelaide to cast his eye over the men's draw and Novak's. Uh, the Breakers have a busy week coming up. Three games in five days on the back of COVID postponements. Finn Delaney is in the house. Plus, Warriors coach Nathan Brown runs us down the first part of the preseason. That and a whole lot more today on a Thursday on SENZ Summer Days, where it's five minutes past 10. The 59th Halleberg Awards finalists were announced yesterday. And in the Sportsman of the Year category, quite rightly, is British squash open champion Paul Cole, who joins us from Amsterdam right now. Paul, congrats on the, the finals nomination, mate. Uh, a nice little cherry on the back of a highly successful season. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing news to wake up to. Um, woke up to it here over in Amsterdam, and it's, um, oh, mate, it's uh, just to be amongst, you know, those 
top New Zealand athletes um, to be nominated and be in the top four, it's, um, it's pretty special. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. I spoke to Dad this morning. He's quite excited because obviously you can't make it on February 23, so uh, him and Mum are actually going to the awards ceremony, so I think he's pretty stoked. Does he have a, does he have a duck suit? Yeah, they, um, you know, they're, they're heading out. They've got to he, he, he asked my credit card so he could go hire a tuxedo because <laughs> I don't think his wardrobe's um, up to scratch to, to be going to the Helberg. So, <laughs> no, it's pretty special for me to be able to stand in there. Mate, is your dad still tight? <laughs> Where do you think I got it from? <laughs> uh, let's just let's just reflect on what has been a crazy year for you. But really, do you do you feel like twenty twenty one was more of a breakout year or more of a consolidation of the player you are? 100%, man. Um, just Obviously, I had that really good win at the British Open, um, which gave me a lot of confidence. But then it was actually probably more to the back end, you know, November, December, when I had those back-to-back wins. Um, I felt like I was actually outplaying um, the players rather than it sort of being, being sort of, you know, a one-off win. It actually felt like I sort of established myself. Um, that I was winning and when you win back to back tournaments um, of, of it well to be honest I've never done it before but you know this when I won back to back it sort of it really you know like sort of established me established that I, I was sort of good enough to it wasn't just a one off you know it was um, it was something that I could keep repeating so that was something um, that gave me a lot of confidence in my game it's quite a fine line, isn't it? Knowing that you are good enough, but then actually delivering. Is it is it like a, a sense of relief when you actually do that? Yeah, it's a massive... It's almost like a massive weight off your shoulders, you know? Like, there's that whole sort of, you know, mental side of sport where, you know, you've got to tell yourself that you're able to do it, but which is great, but it also creates a lot of pressure on yourself, you know, because you, all of a sudden you're expecting to win these these tournaments and you know if it doesn't happen that sort of pressure just keeps building so when sort of when you do when, it, when I you know won those tournaments it was a massive release and, and just the weight dropped off my shoulders and sort of play a bit more free and you know a bit more relaxed which is always um, a bonus whenever you're playing sport but then Paul comes the expectation so is it a different type of pressure you now have to deal with or do you feel now that you that's a pressure you can comfortably handle no, to be honest, um, there was a tournament, uh, I think the Guitar Classic, where um, I was I was probably the top seed. You know, the the other top seed went out in the in the third round or second round, and I was actually feeling a different sort of pressure there. Um, it was it was something new to me that I never felt before. I was all of a sudden, you know, the person to beat, and um, I actually you know suffered or oh, well, not suffered, but I still made the final. But you know, I, I felt a bit of pressure there, and. You know, I wasn't really happy with my performance in the final, and I think that was down to just the shift in pressure. It was, like you say, the expectation to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the guy to beat, and it was just a different, different feeling that I that I was used to. But you know, feeling like that was actually a really good tournament for me to experience that. And you know, I spoke to Stu Davenport, and he gave me some good advice on on how to you know sort of handle that that pressure. And I think I you know sort of grew after that tournament pretty well as well. Talk to me about the influence of your coach, Rob. Yeah, massive man. He's um, you know he's probably regarded as one of the best coaches in 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 squash, and he um, he transformed my game really. He sort of taught me about squash, and obviously coming from New Zealand, we're quite sheltered, so you don't really get the experience that you get when you move over here. And he just taught me how to 
use my strengths to sort of attack. You know, obviously I was, you know, very nutritional and stay on court for a while, but he sort of, you know, taught me how to attack using my speed and, and my strengths and stuff like that. So he's incredibly smart. He's very analytical, um, analyzes every bit of the game and just really made me understand the game and, and how to play, you know, certain shots and when I should play certain shots and when I shouldn't play certain shots. So it was a really just a, you know, understanding of the game that he taught me, which was which is amazing. I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at squash, it, it's that old cliche. It's, it's almost like a game of inches or centimetres. And when you're playing the likes of Ali and Muhammad, how much do you have to change the way you adapt in that split second? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that, that's when I, I think it comes down to you have to sort of know what you're doing. And something that, uh, you know, I mentioned Stu Davenport before, but yeah. something that he's been quite good for me um, you know, he's a bit of a mentor for me. I speak to him a lot and he he sort of told me really to, to trust my game and, and just believe in in my game and I think that's very important when it comes to those, you know, split second decisions. You don't have any time to hesitate on what you're doing and it comes down to just really trusting and believing in your game and I think that that's what it comes down to because you don't have time to think half the time and squash and it's all instincts and if you're not trusting those instincts then that's when the mistakes will come. So um, that's something that I think really helped me. You know, he spoke to me uh, just before the British Open. Actually, we had you know um, some some a lot of chats and something that I, I think from sort of that mid mid stage of last season, I started just really trusting my game and not trying to be anyone else. Just you know, doing what I trained for, and um, I think that gave me a lot of confidence within myself. Um, and, and like I say, like you, you've got to trust yourself when the ball's coming at you that quickly. You know, you got to trust that you're going to play the right shot. So yeah. Has it still sunk in that you did win the British Open? Um, yeah, yeah. Now it has. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Every time I get introduced on court, it's the British Open champion. So, um, wow, it's uh, it's sunk in. But it, you know, every time I hear it, it's still something pretty surreal um, when I think about my earlier days in squash and, and actually finally, you know, making some of these these goals um, come true. So. It's definitely sunk in, but I never get tired of hearing it, that's for sure. I, I can remember living in Greymouth and knowing your mum and dad, and dad was, he was mad about squash. Is that, is that what drove you into it? Because I can't, I can't remember mum. Was mum a squash, was Julie a squash player as well? Julie was, yeah, yeah. She was, um, mum was a good squash player. Um, both very competitive, I think. Mum had, uh, you know, knee problems when, from her that's, nipple career, so she stopped right. earlier. That's right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're both fanatic about it. They get up at 2 a.m. and watch live scores and all sorts. So, um, yeah, they still love it. I never saw Dad play on the squash court in Greymouth. Is he just uber competitive? Yeah, I remember um, there's one one story that I just keep remembering. I, you know, Dad was playing, I was watching him, and then... Obviously, you have 90 seconds in between sets, and I walked down downstairs, and I seen Dad's racket in half in the rubbish bin. And, <laughs> um, I just I just walked straight back upstairs. I didn't think it'd be a good time to go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one would one would suggest uber competitive, but <clears throat> what, what, <laughs> what are they what are they like as supporters? Are, are they are they just there for you, or are they the sort of parents that would say, "Hey, look, I saw you do this, saw you do that." Um, no, nah, man. I mean, they would definitely tell me off if I was doing something wrong. But um, yeah, they're probably the best supporters I've ever had. To be honest, um, they've supported me right from from word go. And you know, 
funded me when I when I couldn't afford anything and, and just believed in me when I was, you know, 150 in the world and paid for me to go around the world playing playing tournaments. So, um, you know, they've always believed in me and always been super supportive. And, um, you know, that's why I'm, you know, so happy to send them to, to the Hellbergs, you know. They, it's a special night and, and, you know, I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Uh, talk to me about the Commonwealth Games. Is that still on the radar? Yeah, 100%, man. I've, um, you know, my... my I've planned my, my season and, and that's, you know, right at the top of the list in terms of, you know, one of the few tournaments that I really want to peak for this year. Um, obviously just missed out on, um, you know, a couple of goals last time. So, yeah, that's um, high on my radar this year. Um, especially, I spend a lot of time in Birmingham training with my coach and then obviously the Com Games are going to be in Birmingham. So it's a familiar area for me and um, like I said, my, my, you know, it's one of my, tournament that I'm um, peaking for this year and you go as probably in as a red hot men's favorite in the, the in the singles as well which which is which is another thing but at the moment uh you're you're locked down in, in the Netherlands how, how is that affecting training yeah we're in full lockdown so um I mean it's, it's we get we get special exemption so I can train um fully and I mean to be honest for me my my life doesn't get affected that much I'm not you know, I don't go out socialising that much uh, in the middle of the season. So, man, I'm just training um, two, three times a day um, and then just coming home and recovering. So, you know, it's probably probably better for me just to, uh, <laughs> I'm recovering. But, yeah, it's, um, I mean, hopefully, we, we, you know, hopefully we're out of it this Friday and things start opening up again because, yeah, I mean, life gets pretty mundane if everyone knows that, I think. So, hopefully we're on the other side of it and, um, you know, we can just sort of move on from this. Mate, you've got to remember one thing. You are from Greymouth, so socialising is in your DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Don't worry. I'll never forget that place. <laughs> Mate, it's uh, always good to talk to you. Thanks for staying up and having a chat with us, and we'll talk again. Uh, and the best of luck at the Halbergs, mate. Paul Cole joining us this morning from Amsterdam. I know Dad's listening. Sorry for giving you a bit of grief there, Mike. Uh, but your socialising is in the DNA. Uh, I think Mike and Julie used to like going to the Aussie on the way out on the road, the, the Aussie the Aussie hotel. I was a big wreck, the wreck. I think one was a Lion pub, one was a DB pub in the times that I was down there in the, dare I say, the early 80s. But uh, they are good folk. They are great folk, and it's no wonder that Paul Cole has turned out the way he is because his mum and dad are just the best people going around, and we are we are very fortunate. Interesting to note that he, John, he talked about you know the the, the weight being lifted off his shoulders, you know, knowing that he can go back to back, but then came back and he talked about the Qatar Open expectation. He made the final but didn't win it, so it's still a learning curve even at his age. Absolutely. Um, I just love his year last year. You mentioned it right at the top, didn't you? Was it a breakout year? Well. No, because he was already really mm. good. But I think now he's a household name. I think when you go around New Zealand now and you go, who's Paul Cole? I think most New Zealanders know. Because once you win the British Open, you're next level. And he's feeling that now, that, that weight of expectation. He's beaten, what, the world number one twice? Yep. Ross, um, Ross Norman never won that. When, when, when it was in his halcyon days, squashing this country, Ross Norman was a god, right? Yeah. He, he never won the British Open. No. He never won. And, and as far as anyone is concerned, the British Open is bigger than a world championships in the world of squash. Yeah, it yep. is, it is, uh, yeah, it's Wimbledon. It's the yeah, pinnacle. Yeah. Of, it, yeah, it's ahead of the world championships when you talk to people about it. You're right, it is Wimbledon. Like, yeah. It's just, 
that achievement is incredible. And looking at those finalists for the Hellbergs, I know we're going to talk about them probably after one o'clock. And please join us on the texts and on the phones as well. We want to hear your opinions about who should win and who should be there. But Paul Cole really is a shining light, I think, in those four finalists. Who's he up against? He's up against Kane Kane Williamson, Williamson, who uh, unreal last two years as well. But as a single. We're talking sports man, okay, in a team game, right? That's okay. Hamish Bond, I don't get. We'll discuss that one. Yeah, we will. Uh, Scott Dixon, I do get, because this year it's taking into account 2020 and 2021. 2020, he won his sixth IndyCar title. Um, He's one of the all-time greats. But motorsport in this country, and I know with the voting, the panels, uh, they look at motorsport and say, oh, you know, they just, they basically sneer at it. Yeah, well, it seems like they sneer at supercars. Well, yeah, well, Scott McLaughlin was an initial finalist with, he was Mm. three-time back-to-back-to-back-to-back world champion and the oh, sorry, IndyCar, supercars champion and the IndyCar rookie of the year yeah, last uh, year as and, well and, to add to that and didn't even and didn't well, because even look I, well, I, we'll get into this argument anyway but just uh, refocus <laughs> on Paul Cole because <laughs> yeah. I think we need to he, or he deserves we'll, the nod yeah he deserves yeah. the nod and what a dude just living in Amsterdam yeah it's interesting because they've gone back into lockdown mm. uh, they they released they sort of relaxed all their their COVID uh, restrictions, and then suddenly it's taken off again. Omicron's taken hold, so they've gone back into lockdown. Mm. Uh, and he lives there, and he's got his little clothing business there. He's got his, his own clothing line with his girlfriend there, who's uh, also a former squash player. And he, I, I think we spoke to him, I don't know, it was before Christmas. The one thing you know with Paul, he's gagging to get back home. Yeah, he hasn't he, been home for two years. Yeah, he's, he's missing home. And the encouraging thing is there's the World Team's Championships coming up very soon. Oh, next year. Next year, I think. They keep on getting postponed, Yeah, well, they? they are, but they are now confirmed for Tauranga, and he will hopefully, everything being, all, all things being equal, he'll be back. So, and that's that's good because a sport like squash, which you would suggest is, is viewed as maybe a tier two, tier three sport, yep. but then suddenly you've got a rock star like him uh, coming back, that will, that will drag people and just to watch. And I was thinking about it when I was talking to him about, and I, 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 I should have asked about fast twitch muscles. Because you know how sprinters have fast twitch muscles. Yep, that's something we always hear. Yeah, yeah. And, all, and we all wish we yeah. had. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I look, I look at, you look at the squash court, you, you've really got to be on your game, right? You've got to have those. And that, and it didn't realize, I didn't realise until I stopped talking to him how quickly you have to be thinking on the go, keeping your eye on that little black ball. Yeah, when he mentioned his coaching and just um, the level of analysis in that game, what shots to play when. I mean, it's it's a lot of homework you have to do on yourself almost. Mm. Uh, and he's got that now and a uh, fantastic coach, doesn't he? So yeah, we, we he's got are, the right team around him. He's got the right team around him and we, and we are blessed to have him as a Kiwi. Uh, more importantly, as a coaster. You've been down the coast. You've been down. To yeah, Grand- I've been down the coast. Yeah, it, it's it, a different world on the coast. It, it Absolutely, is, it is. But it's also it's 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 gone through some tough times. Had a possum pie? No, no. I haven't been that much of a coaster, but I have <laughs> been on the coast. I've been into a lock-in and a few pubs, and you meet loggers and all to- sorts yeah, of people you, you don't lot, meet in Auckland. The last time I was down there, I, I emceed a, a boxing event to raise uh, money for mental health down there. Uh, this last year, had the best time ever. It did, did they the look same, after you? Don't they? They they look after you, and if you're not careful, you'll end up on the floor because you're totally inebriated. Yes. but you've had the best time. <laughs> yeah, so, spoke to a lot of gold miners. Yeah, right. But people tend to forget that there's still a lot of gold mining down there and, and people are doing okay out of it. The economy has taken a hit in the Absolutely. last 20 years. I mean, Greymouth, as I remember it, when I used to be in radio down there and I wandered down the main street to see where the radio station, if it was still, it was gone. 
It was, and I, and I, mm. I felt like part of me had been ripped away. Yeah, you know, because he used to walk up these big steps into an old building, and Radio Scenic Land was there. And I, and I sort of was doing a little bit of a, a tour just to check on old haunts, and it was, it was quite sad, but. Mm. That doesn't that doesn't knock the strength of what the coast is all about. It's about people, it and is. it is a beautiful part of the world. One of the most beautiful drives in the world is the Greymouth to Westport run. It the, is gorgeous. The coast road. So uh, great to see the surfing there as well. Great yeah. to see events there. And we will be talking to Ben Kennings at one thirty. Ben Kennings at one thirty to update us on the the national surf champs in Tauranga Bay in Westport. It's ten twenty two. This is SNZ's. Summer Days with Stephen McIver. 0800 150811. If you've got some thoughts about the Halibugs, like them or love them, we're going to be having a good yarn about that after, what, Middell 1. 1 o'clock, John and I are going to go toe-to-toe on that one. But we're not too far away as well from talking to another finalist, and he is he's a rock star in the coaching world. Just after 10.30, we'll talk to Lisa Carrington's coach, Gordon Walker, on SENZ. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 10.28 with Stephen McIver Nationwide. If you're listening on one of our local frequencies around New Zealand, good morning to you. If you are listening on the SENZ app, it's a great way to listen if you uh, want to take it on the road and just stay in tune and update with what is happening in the sporting world. And if you're listening on the app in Australia, good morning to you as well through your SENZ app or SEN app. Uh, here's some breaking news, which is really in- interesting too. It's come from the Netflix UK Twitter account. Quote, breaking, Netflix's team up with the PGA Tour and golf's major championships for a documentary series that will follow the lives and stories of the world's top professional golfers across the 2022 season. It's being made by the same team behind Drive to Survive. So my question to you, JD, this morning is, is that a bigger draw card for you to watch what you know goes on behind the scenes in the golfing world, or is a Drive to Survive a completely different animal? Well, I've never seen Drive to Survive. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Take yourself out and give yourself, as Brent Todd used to say, give yourself a stiff uppercut. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it's must-see television. Everyone who has, all my friends who have, instantly got addicted to Formula One again. I've got mates who used to love Formula One in the late 90s and then just dropped off it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then yeah. they watched Drive to Survive and got straight back into it. I think we're all nosy. I think we naturally as humans are nosy and we love to know what's going on, but we, we love gossip. We love... But not just with regular people like Big Brother and all those oh reality God, shows. This no. is with like... That's trash. That this stuff. is with elite athletes, you know, under massive pressure with huge money being invested. Like this is just the whole yeah. situation it's, of it it's, all. It's, it's the glam. It's yeah. the glam aspect. So it's going to be really interesting because in golf, there is a ton of money. Exactly. And a ton of egos. Like with the Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks, and Brooks Kepka yeah. thing going on and to see really inside that and in behind all these guys' you, you lives. You know that's why they're doing it. I reckon because of that little constant spat going on they've gone hmm there's something in golf. Absolutely. And then potentially the return of Tiger. Exactly. The return of Tiger this year from his accident as well. Because like, you know when Tiger's on the field on the in play, the ratings in on the PGA Tour go through the roof. When he's not on tour, it's actually significantly lower. Oh, massively, massively. Like I think there was some um like uh, the majors where Tiger isn't in, and then just a random tournament that Tiger was in outrated a major uh, a yeah, major yeah. championship. So so, so he's, he's still, huge. So he's, I, he's still got it. So you'd be you'd be into it, right? I hate to say this, Stephen, but I'm excited about golf. 
0800 That's 0800 Are you excited by the idea of a Drive to Survive version for golf on the PGA Tour? That's what's going to happen. Let us know. I'd love to know why you are excited about it. It's half past ten. to SENZ Summer Days, not rocking the Casbah right now, we're rocking the canoe because it's time to talk to Supercoach. He probably doesn't like the title of Supercoach, but he has been the mastermind, part of an incredible team, the one half of the Dame Lisa Carrington Roadshow. It's more than just a roadshow. This is this is more this is more about two individuals. This is about how do you how do you inspire an individual to such feats? That is the coach of the decade at the Halberg Awards and also nominated yes again in the coach of the Academy. Gordon Walker joins us live on SNZ. Uh, morning, Gordon. Morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. A little quote of yours which fascinates me. In life, just try and find something that gives you energy. Yeah, where where did that I, come from? Uh, I actually, uh, I think um, when I thought about that one, I was uh, it was actually with a mate of mine who we were talking about our kids actually, and just you know what is it that they you know or what what um, you know how you're trying to get them into sport or or try and um, you know motivate them to or try and find something to, to motivate them. But I was like, man, what, whatever it is that they. Um, have energy for or, or gives them energy, just try and try and find that and keep them going back to that. And, um, you know, I definitely notice with people that are into sport, um, you know, they're, they're doing it because that's what they want to do and that's what they're inspired to do. So um, really just trying to give people a reason to, to turn up the next day, I think is a really important thing as a coach. Like, it can, it can be about the, tra- you know, you can have try and have the right training program or the best technique and stuff, but I think the main, one of the main things you need to do is try and you know give people some sort of inspiration to to want to turn up the next day, and if that gives them energy, then um, you know that's a that's just a good way to live. I was I was reading uh, that your dad, who was a a teacher, was always about puzzles and breaking things down into parts. Is that a key part of your coaching mantra to to break a, a coaching program down into small parts to make the athlete understand that's how you become successful? Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know that's something that I guess I, I kind of did intuitively, and then as I've gone on and spent more time coaching, I've realised that that's actually a really, you know, a really good thing to do, and and that um, because it was intuitive to me, it was kind of obvious. Didn't realise it wasn't as obvious to others, and then just showing them through, you know, with with whatever they're trying to undertake, you know, trying to break it down for them. Because when someone tries to take on a big task, like no matter what it is, you know, um, like a, a big goal you may have, when you think of a huge, the, the big goal is like it, it's too much to think of in one in one moment. Whereas if you were to break it down into some components and then just try and and then talk about one of those components and then they see that oh that one's easy, I can do that one, and then you go through the list and there's ten of them. Yeah, I can. I think I can do all of those ten. But when they think of the whole thing in one go, it's too much. So you're just breaking it down into its sort of component parts is is really really helpful. Like um, you know that sort of um, 
yeah, depreciation by analysis is a, is a good way to approach things, I reckon. When was the moment you realised you're a half-decent coach or should be a coach? I mean, you, you, <laughs> want, you wanted to be a cyclist. That didn't work out. You actually won a few coast-to-coast, coast, which is ridiculously good. But when did you realise you could offer more as a coach than try and be the athlete that you wanted to be? I mean, I think a, a, a big part of coaching is who you're coaching, right? So, I mean, I'm, I've been extremely lucky to to coach, you know, Lisa, who's obviously, as people know, she's our, our most decorated in terms of the number of medals. So, and that, that that's, um, you know, there's a bit of luck involved in that. So, and, and then I've coached them, you know, a lot and still do currently coach a lot of really amazing athletes. So a lot of coaching is who you're working with. And so... I'd sort of first acknowledge I've been really fortunate there to to coach some great athletes because you know they they can teach you so much. So um, I think I I realised that I was on onto a good thing. You know, early on in the early days when I was coaching canoeing, not just Lisa but also another girl called Erin because they were just so enthusiastic to learn, so enthusiastic to get better, and um, I was the same. So. I wouldn't say that there was a moment where I thought I, I was going to be good, but I was definitely a moment where I thought, okay, I think I think we could be good as a team. I'd like to know what is the secret sauce in your relationship as a coach athlete with Dame Lisa. Well, I mean, I think something that's probably um, more evident to me now is is that um, it's the ability to kind of go through challenges together. And to to sort of stick together, that would be one of the main things. To be honest, um, as much as there's say maybe some good things in terms of the ways in which I may communicate things and that she hears things, and, and so on. I think a big a big factor is um, is kind of staying, you know, standing standing the test of time when things get really challenging. And because um, as I you know you talk about IP and so things. As you go through you know, experiences together, you learn more and more and more. And if you were to make changes in your training structure or training program or coaching, you lose that IP. And I think it's a, it's a bit like um, the compounding interest that you either have or don't have. Like if you have some money in the bank, you know, your compounding interest is really good. If you owe a lot of money, your compounding interest is not so good. And I think um, by by investing in each other and taking the time to stay with each other, um, you know, for Lisa and myself, but then also for the other team that we have around us, you get the sort of compounding interest effect. And I feel that um, a big factor has just been um, like a, a consistent team that she's had around her uh, for a long period of time has made a, a huge difference. Does she ever push back on anything you say? Does she get cranky with you? Absolutely, yeah. Like, I don't, she's definitely not just a, Oh, you know, okay. Um, whatever you say is whatever I'll do, and, and vice versa. So I think there's there's um, a lot to be gained from having those challenging conversations. That that's that's how you you know you'll become better um, because you'll you'll learn something you didn't know, or um, you'll realise that um, someone has a different perspective that you, you should listen to. So. Um, I wouldn't say it's, you know, there's quite a lot of times where she may she may push back on something. There'll be a lot of times where she may challenge something or whether when she just may want to ask more questions. And um, she's, a, she's a questioner. She wants to know what's the reason for this, what's the purpose behind this. So 
yeah, plenty of those times. You're in a sport which is all about speed and power. From the time you took on Lisa, and I think it was around 2010, what have been the biggest changes that you have made to where she is now? I think, well, she, I mean, she, you can't be that good without being naturally good, right? So she's got a, an extremely awesome you know, physiology mm. suited to the sport of kayak. Like, to, to, to be paddling a kayak over the distances that she, or the time that she paddles, like 40 seconds to two minutes, her physiology is, like, it's perfect. So she's very naturally explosive, powerful, with a lot of speed. So I think one of the, the big things that I that, that I sort of um, that I offered when we started was some structure, and the structure enabled her to get a better level of fitness. And um, I think you know she's improved in all areas. She's she's significantly physically stronger. Like her gym strength is way stronger than what it was. Um, so she's improved in all areas, but one of the biggest areas is she's just fitter. So she was always fast, but can you be fast enough for long enough? And that's the question. Like in every event, no matter what you're doing, you know, whether it's a sprint or an Ironman, it's not, it's not who's fastest, it's who slows down the least. It's always a, a concept I've had in my head. And it's like, Lisa, you are always quick enough, but can we just stop you from slowing down? And if we can do that, then maybe you could be good. And that is a simple concept. What about the psychological aspect? Because, you know, I, I, I'll use this analogy. Sometimes you've got a boxer in a ring who needs to be sat down in the corner after every round to be told what to do. And then you've got natural talent that knows what to do. What is she? I think she's a bit of both, to be honest. Like, she's she's humble enough and, and a, a really keen learner who want to listen to, you know, not just myself, but there's a number of other people, particularly her sports site, um, DG, who who really influenced her way of thinking. But her her mental growth, um, you know, over the course of 10 years has been you know, astronomical. So, um, but at the same time, she, she did have a natural kind of um, feeling for where it needed to go. She was naturally... You know, it would be wrong to say she's naturally good under pressure because the pressure was tough, mm. but at the same time, she was good. So there's, I think she's just that. I think when the great people are always a combination of, of both of the, the two, you know, kind of like what end of the spectrum is this one coming from? Like the great people are, you know, they're hard, they, they work hard and smart. You know, they're, they're not either hard or smart, they're, they're both. So she's probably that one of those people, which is, a, is, is kind of a, a great combination of, both of those things you talked about. Gordon, how much thought did you give to saying no to another Olympic cycle when Lisa announced yeah. she was going to Paris? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think um, a, a big part of, I guess, what what would have made me carry on was, I guess, um, the opportunity to to still become better for her and for me. And... So that was that was a consideration. If that if that was still on the table, then there, there was much more chance of um, carrying on. But certainly in this game, it's it's tough because you know there's one of the hardest things I guess to, for the general public to appreciate about being an athlete is is every minute of every day you're thinking about becoming better. And some people work eight hours a day. Some people work seventy hours a week. It's a tough week, but 
as an athlete, you may only train 10, 20 hours a week, but every minute of every day, you're thinking about becoming better. And so that, as a coach, you need to have the same attitude. So it was that one that was a tough one to really think through. But, um, yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't say I thought about it for a hell of a long time. But <laughs> yeah. I just knew that I needed to think about it. Yeah. Wife, your wife, Viv, gave you the sign-off pretty quickly, did she? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, a, a huge part of how we've, you know, managed to do the last 10 years is Viv, uh, she, she's as passionate about it, you know, in her own way as I am. So, um, But, yeah, there's just no way it could have happened without her. Has Lisa Carrington made you a better coach? No, no question, yeah, no question, I think. You know, there's so many things that, you know, uh, that we've learnt together. And uh, I remember, you know, in the first pages of um, Michael Johnson's biography, which I read, was he he thanked his coach for, you know, for making him the athlete that he was, but then for them, you know, for for learning together in the the latter parts of his career. And I think I'd be the same as that. Maybe there was, you know, initially a... um, a lot more that I would have known that she would have known about the training, but um, over time that's balanced out. And um, yeah, there's, there's there's no way I would know the things that I know about performance, about what the body's capable of and the mind is capable of, without having the opportunity to to kind of work with someone who's as great as she is. Gordon, I appreciate your time. We're very lucky to have you in our system. Just one quick question, and you can give me a quick answer: Is there another sport you want to coach? Oh, I'd love to coach, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love, I still coach a few other people in different sports and, you know, um, cycling's one that, um, you know, has always interested me. <laughs> Even though you fell off, right? Yeah. And then that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that, that stuffs your career. Gordon, congratulations on being nominated again. I know you don't like awards, so we won't go on about it, but congratulations. And uh, uh, back on the lake, pal, you probably, she's probably waiting for you. Yep, yeah, we've done a session this morning, one more to go this afternoon. But yeah, um, appreciate the, the call and yeah, it's um, yeah, great, uh, great honour to be nominated and, and as I said, it's um, great honour to be, you know, working and coaching someone as great as Lisa. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the time. Gordon Walker, coach of the decade at the last Halberg Awards and nominated again as coach of the year. That is one very intelligent but humble individual. Uh, Gordon Walker, coach of Dame Lisa Carrington. It's 10.47. On SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. on a Thursday morning nationwide and across Australia on the SENZ app or SEN app if you are listening like our good friend Jason in Melbourne uh, good morning to you and I trust your day so far is going well I wonder if you're like me do you ever have that morning coffee that goes through you and you've got to go to the loo straight away Happened today. Hasn't happened for a while. Have that morning coffee because I'm one of these fasters, so I don't eat till midday. Right at the moment, I'm not eating till three o'clock. And I'll tell you what, had a coffee this morning. Boom. Boom shakalaka. Went Is this too much information, Stephen? Oh, well, I just wondered, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It was just popped into my head about, you know, high performance, coffee, you know, the whole nine yards, yes. get me up, and then suddenly the system says, yes, but we need to get rid of this. And so, so that's, that's what happened this, uh, this year. Hey, well, should we flush that and move on? Oh, boom, 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 ching. Uh, just a reminder, we've just been talking to Gordon Walker, who was up for Coach of the Year at the ISPS. 
Cornelius Hander uh, Halberg Awards, the 59th edition this year. It'll uh, re- represent or recognise folks that have done things in 2020 and 2021. Uh, Dame Lisa Carrington has charged up for uh, Sportswoman of the Year and probably the, the hot favourite for the Supreme Award. She's up against three-time world champion, that's right, three-time world champion, Courtney Duncan in motocross, Emma Twigg, Lydia Cole and Sarah Herony. That's probably one of the strongest fields you have seen in a long, long time. And John and I are going to be going head-to-head on the Halbergs uh, after one o'clock this afternoon. If you've got thoughts on them, feel, feel free to ring 0800 150811. That's 0800-150811. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. It's a summer Thursday with Stephen McIver nationwide 0800 150811. Just news through from the world of the NFL. The the uh, hurdle has been cleared. Hurdles have been cleared to sell the Denver Broncos uh, because I know the two Manning brothers, Eli and Peyton, are keen to be part of the own, a new ownership group. Uh, the ta- the price tag on the Denver Broncos a mere five point eight nine billion dollars. That's what they're talking. Five point eight nine billion. That's billion dollars. And apparently, and that's not the most expensive franchise. The Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable NFL team, but the Denver Broncos are up for sale. Will the, uh, Eli and Peyton Manning uh, be part of a new ownership group? That's uh, something to look forward to. As is a chat shortly in about three or four minutes' time with uh, probably one of the best tennis commentators in the world, bar none. Uh, Robbie Koenig will join us from Adelaide, talk about what's going on in Adelaide and who are the hot favourites to win the men's title at the first major of the year. That is the Australian Open, one of the four tournaments considered a Grand Slam tournament. Coming your way after 11 o'clock this morning on SENZ Summer Days. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Eleven oh three on a Thursday morning, just cruising into the day. You know, there's not many things in this world that I say I'm sad about or that I miss terribly. But the one thing I have missed terribly over the past two years is the ASB Classic. Not just the tournament itself, but working with arguably the finest tennis commentator in the world, who is not just a good bloke, he's just very good at his job. Probably called himself an average fly fisherman. But Robbie Koenig joins us now ahead of the Australian Open. He's there at the Adelaide International. Morning, Rob. Morning, Stephen. Uh, thanks for the kind words. And just like you, I have really missed my time in Auckland over the last couple of years. But fingers crossed, we'll uh, be back to business in 2023. I've got a strong feeling that might be the case, Steve. Mate, mate here's hoping. And now, I, I have to uh, ask you about this question because you, you gave me a heads up about it. Uh, you have had the virus and it's knocked you around a bit. It has. I got it uh, right before I was supposed to come out to the ATP Cup. I got it on the 22nd of December. And, um, yeah, I had, had a couple of symptoms, and for about five or six days, uh, I was man down. Nothing too serious, but I tell you what, Steve, it lingers. It's taken a while for me to get my fitness back, a little bit lethargic. Um, but it's taken you know, almost a good three and a half weeks now that I feel normal. But you're, but you're all good to go. You're fully boosted up and ready to go, even in the face of what's happening in Australia at the moment. I tell you what, it is carnage out here, and I'm sure everybody's been following it very closely. But uh, in many ways, I'm quite sad 
how this whole situation has unfolded, Steve. Well, on that, and I, I know you are not one to hold back, what do you think of the Djokovic situation? Should he stay or should he go? Um, I guess it sounds like, a, is it a who song there? Should he stay or should he go? Is it the Clash? Anyway, <laughs> Clash, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, initially I was, I was very sympathetic towards his case, Stephen. Um, I thought he was probably uh, mishandled, I think probably bullied when he initially arrived. But as the days have unfolded and the evidence has come to light, it seems more and more to me that there's some dodgy things that have been happening with the, the PCR test that he had on the 16th of December. Now, that, that 16th of December positive PCR test is the most crucial piece of documentation that Novak has because that's what basically has allowed him to come into Australia on this medical exemption. But, you know, that thing has been put under forensic scrutiny over the last couple of days. Um, and it seems like initially when people had a look at the QR code, it said that he was negative. And then an hour later, somehow that changed to being positive. So that asked all kinds of questions initially. But then when they had a look at the digital timestamp on, he actually had two COVID tests. He did have one a few days later on the 22nd of December to show that he was now negative. That was something they did to try and prove that he was okay now to then travel. Um, it seems like the test that was done on the 16th of December was actually done after the one on the 22nd of December, according to the digital timestamp. Um, and of course, if you're manipulating tests, there's going to be some serious consequences. And we know how countries like Australia and even yourselves are quite strict with their border controls. And if Novak has been, uh, well, Novak's team has been messing with uh, those readings in conjunction with some people, he could be in for a very tough time. And we're going to get the decision today, Stephen. And I think based on everything that I've seen, just clearly looking at the evidence and speaking to other people, I think he might be deported today. I think there's a better chance of him being deported than there is of him staying. And so when we look at tennis and we look at the first uh, major of the year in the Australian Open, that happening with no Roger Federer, but Rafa is there. Does it become more open, wide open? I've just been looking at the, the round of 16 results uh, where you are at Adelaide. Uh, Kokonakis, both a wild card, gets Isner. Uh, off is cruising. Chilich looks okay, although his ranking, his seating is way down. And then you go to Sydney and, and Andy Murray's uh, s- suddenly uh, alive and kicking. What do you make of the... Who who does what at the Open? Yeah, I think uh, some of those names that you mentioned, um, I put them a little lower down uh, the pecking order. Yep. Um, you know, you've got a guy like Daniil Medvedev who's won the US Open recently. I think I yep. think Alexander Zverev is playing some of the best tennis. So the way he finished the tail end of last year, you know, since he won the Olympic gold, won the ATP finals at the end of the year, he would be right up there. Those two guys would be my top picks. Yeah. Um, Sitsa Pass played really well last year. I remember he came back from two sets to love down to beat Rafa. Rafa hasn't played particularly well here over the last couple of years. He's missed it through injury. He let that one get away from him against Sitsa Pass last year. He would actually, uh, I would put him lower down in the pecking order. I'd put Zverev, Medvedev, and Sitsa Pass ahead of him. And then, you know, if you're looking for perhaps 
you start looking for players outside of the top 10, Stephen, mm. um, you know, I throw in somebody like a Yannick Sinner for the young guys. Yep. I mean, the Italian for me is, is definitely a multiple major winner in years to come. Yeah, oh, I've got to ask you, because I've spoken to you before about this, Casper uh, Ruud, what chance did he have? He had a br- huge 2021. I mean, is he? do you see major winner in Casper Ruud? I do, but not on a hard court yet, Stephen. Um, I think he showed us this year how good he is in clay court, winning three clay court tournaments in a row after Wimbledon. But those were the lower levels. Those were the 250s, similar to the ones, uh, similar to the tournament that we have in Auckland every year. So the field is a little bit more diluted. I think on a hard court at this level, he's not quite ready to win a major yet. I think we've got to give him three or four more years. Uh, Again, on the surface, but on a clay court, I think he starts to become a strong contender at the French Open. Um, Definitely, I'd put him as as one of the players who would make it through to my quarterfinal, but not here at at Australia. The conditions are too lively for him. The ball is too fast through the air and off of the court. Do you give Andy Murray any shout of advancing? Uh, No. When you say advancing... You mean you know what I you know what I mean, Rob? You know, semi-finals are going all the way. (laughs) Not going all Uh, the way, just just sort of surprising everybody and even making a quarter. Yeah, he could absolutely. Um, I mean, he played a great match last night against Nicholas Bachelas. Really, he should have beaten him in straight sets, but he took the scenic route. But um, (laughs) you know, Andy's got the experience In, in his head. He thinks that he can beat these guys, you know, just whether the body is willing or not. Um, that's a different story. But, I mean, it would be a fairy tale story if, if Mazza could go, you know, deep into the tournament. I mean, he's, you know, he's made himself pretty popular on social media with some of the comebacks he's had during uh, the last five days. He was giving Nigel Farage in the UK um, a bit of a ribbing after he posted that video uh, with him hanging out with Djokovic's family in Serbia. Um, he posted something to the effect, uh, I'm just waiting for the awkward moment um, <laughs> when the video surfaces and everybody's reminded that this guy was trying to kick immigrants out of UK for most of his political career. And of course, that went down really well on social media. So, you know, and he's been a social media warrior at, at times, um, and he gets a lot of popularity from the public, Stephen. Let's, let's talk about the state of men's tennis. Now, it's been, as we know, it's been a crazy couple of years, and, it's, and it continues. But the, the, Roger it hasn't been around. Uh, you've, yeah. got, you've got Djokovic now. You've got Nadal seemingly, and I hate to start, use this word, seemingly in the twilight of his career. I mean, do you think there's another major in Rafa? Yes, I think when you when you have the attitude and the grit that he has, uh, there's no question about it. Uh, last year he had a few too many injuries. That was a problem. He had foot uh, surgery as well. Uh, tail end of last year, he basically tapped down the season uh, a short to make sure he got that sorted out. That's been an ongoing problem since he was uh, 17 years of age, uh, trying to get that foot sorted out. Um, so he's always just lived with the pain. So, you know, I think he'll look at the start of this year as, you know, getting in shape, hopefully do well at the Australian Open. As I said to you, I don't think he can win it, but he's got, what, four or five months before the French Open rolls around again. And, you know, we saw how close he came to winning that his match against Djokovic last year was one of the epics. Certainly on clay, he can absolutely do it. And by the time, you know, Wimbledon and the US Open come around, if the foot is feeling good and he is so, um, I think he's so much more uh, reliant on his physicality 
than, say, some of the other players that you mentioned. If he's feeling good, he's always in the mix. Um, you know, he can just out-physical so many players. We have been blessed with an incredible era in men's tennis. You, you, we know the names, but now they're, they're starting to, you know, call time. I, I wonder whether we see Roger uh, again at all. But we, if, if you take them out of the equation, right, and they'll, they'll hang around for a while, I understand that. Do you yeah. see enough personality on-court personality in the next generation to maintain the levels we have been treated to? Great question. Um, I'm just pulling up some of the, the guys, the younger guys. Well, look, Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, you know, these guys. I mean, do yeah, they do they yeah, have the no, personality absolutely. for you? Um, different personalities. Uh, Medvedev's got a bit of a, an FU personality whereby, you know, he gave it to the New York crowd a couple of years ago at, at the US Open when he went deep there. Uh, I think Sitsipas, he, um, he's got a rock star look. He's got a rock star game. Uh, these guys will become superstars just by virtue of the fact that they win majors, and I think they will. I think that is just the next progression. You've got a young guy, 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz from Spain, who is going to be an absolute superstar. The kid's game is a joke how good he is. Uh, there's another Italian guy called Lorenzo Massetti. Again, he's got the, the rock star looks, a single-handed backhand. Oh, probably yes. a, I'd probably describe him as a poor man's version of Roger Federer. Um, you know, he's a potential um, you know, person who could easily carry the sport on his shoulders. So there's definitely some guys out there. You've got Felix Ojaliasim. And from an American point of view, Sebastian Corder, who is, of course, uh, the brother of the current uh, world number one on the women's golf, Nelly, um, you know, if, if we have an American that comes through, I think we can captivate that market as well, which has been left behind for a number of years, Stephen. So, so you feel the game as a whole on the men's side in the ATP Tour is in good health? Yeah, it's not unbelievable. And at the same time, I don't think um, there's too much to be concerned about. It's always going to be a little bit of a dip-off when you come off the greatest era the sport has ever had. I think if we're honest, we can all agree on that. But uh, I don't think it's going to be disastrous by any stretch of the imagination. What do you, and just briefly, Rob, I know, I know it's not a focus for you, but you know Serena, no Venus at, a, at an Open for, for the first time, and I, I can't remember how often. I mean, and there's a new movie out, which I'm pretty excited about. It just somehow doesn't seem right. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it, you know, again, we've been blessed with these players that have been around for so long and have just taken the sport to vertigo-inducing heights. But, you know, the excitement this year and ours, there's a huge buzz around Ash Barty. Yeah. You know, could we have the first Australian winner in a number of years? Women's tennis has got so much depth these days. You know, I mean, a perfect example of that is Barbara Kachika winning the French Open last year out of, out of nowhere and in inverted commas. But that's how good they all are. So I think there's, you know, there's 15 or 20 women who enter the Australian Open who think I've got a legitimate shot of winning this. And there's, it's not often that we can say something like it. You look at somebody like Coco Goff, you know, just 17 years of age, I think she is, uh, American superstar. Um, the sport is in good hands. Emma Raducanu is at a tough time. She won the US Open again, you know, another one who's just 18 years of age, 19, I think. Um, women's tennis is in a good place. And again, by virtue of the fact that someone has to win majors, they will automatically create and become superstars. All righty, let's get to more important things. Are you able to find anywhere to go fly fishing in Adelaide? Is there such a thing as fly fishing in Adelaide? No, I've got to travel too far. 
but I must let you know that uh, the fishing rod is in the golf bag. It's one of those travel ones. So I've got the golf clubs and the fly fishing rod at the ready in case the opportunity presents itself, Steve. Well, that's the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. The other thing, uh, your young son I know is playing tennis. How's he going? He's going pretty well. Um, he finished uh, just outside top 100 as juniors, but in all fairness, he wasn't able to travel as much given the restrictions we had in South Africa. But more than likely off to college in America. He's had a couple of uh, nice offers there. So he'll be heading there to play tennis and study uh, towards the end of the year. And, and he's got six months to play now uh, before he goes to college. So um, I hope, I'm hoping he lights it up. And I'm hoping he signs a multi-million dollar deal with Nike so Dad can retire. Yeah, So and so what sort of what sort of dad are you going to be when he starts getting competitive and start getting good? Are you going to be the all-in dad or the sit-back and let someone else do it, Dad? Uh, I think I better let you ask that question. How do you think I would be? Yeah, a, night, <laughs> a, a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Rob, it is it is always so good, and you are so generous with your time. But, mate, I do miss hanging out with you. Uh, here's hoping we can do it soon. Oh, thanks, Stephen. You're the best in the business. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Rob Koenig, uh, he, he is arguably the best tennis commentator running around. He has got a turn of phrase uh, that you cannot believe. There was one phrase, if I get it right, uh, when a couple of years back, well, it would be a couple of years back, and he was – he was suggesting that someone's someone's uh, uh, way they were playing, they were like an uncontrollable hose, out of, a, a hose out of control. You know, yeah, when you put it on full board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, and he is and he is incredibly well researched, and he has a, a memory like an elephant. He is genuinely one of the good guys in the game, um, and and his, his son's pretty handy. Son's got an attitude too. He's got a cocky little attitude like his father, and the sense that he's confident. It was one of those interviews where I just nodding the whole time. Everything he was saying, I was like, yes, he yes. Can, he can drag a fact out of his backside that you're going, where did that one come from? Oh, that was back in 2012. Yeah. You know, and but he's we are blessed to have him and we have been very fortunate to have him at the ASB Classic. We really do need the Classic back though, don't we? Aren't yeah, we? good to hear him say 2023. He sounded confident. But oh, we've said this before. We don't get our hopes up, do we, Stephen? Oh, but, yeah. Look, but hopefully. Uh, look, um, I just You know how we were talking about golf getting into making their own version of Drive to Survive? Tennis would be tennis. Would I've be just seen, yeah, I've just seen uh, Novak Djokovic's Australian Open fiasco is set to be captured in a new behind-the-scenes Netflix docu-series. I, uh, it I, will be the tennis version of Drive to Survive. You're, no, you're kidding me. I reckon, you're, I reckon that's fake. That is exclusive to the male online sport. Yeah, well, the male. Come on. No, they are taking the you-know-what. Is that what. just like the sun? Is it? Is it like... <laughs> yeah, what, we used to have the Truth Weekender. <laughs> we used to have the Truth Weekender, and yeah, or... Wasn't that an interesting or, read near the back pages? <laughs> or even the Sunday News. That's still... I believe that's... I still get that delivered for some reason. They didn't even pay for it. I like the size of the Sunday News. It was like, you, you know, it didn't cover the whole breakfast table and... I never look at it. I never... I don't read newspapers. I, I go online. That's, yeah. still, that's the way of the world now but so there you go lots to look forward to so he doesn't think Rafa can win the Australian Open and he believes and did you undersee how in detail he had been following the Novak Djokovic situation Robbie Koenig says he believes that Novak Djokovic will be deported today let's keep an eye on that one as the day unfolds it's 20 past 11 this is SENZ Summer Days Summer Days on SENZ it's Kiwi for Sport
11.26 on a Thursday. Oh, yeah. I could, I'm going to say it. I'm going to out myself now in the correct sense. I love George Michael. I have got him on Spotify. He's one of my favourites, and I just love his feel. It's a sad, sad day when you think that he's no longer with us. He left us too early. One of the great songwriters in the world, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. You could, I could sit back and listen to this song all day. You're not, long, you're not alone. Steven. Oh, great. Yeah, big George Michael fan as well. Yeah. Mass, like Faith, I had the Faith record vinyl when I was a kid and <laughs> oh, just thought, gosh. he's the leather jacket, you oh, know, and, and he was and, just and, a and cool you, dude. And you do sport the stubble. Yeah. <laughs> Not the designer, though. I no, you are a bit of you are, You've got that Kiwi roughness about you. <laughs> it's 11.27. Uh, John and I are going to be having a robust discussion about the Halberg Awards after one o'clock this afternoon. And I just thought, for your own information, you should understand who the actual finalists are in each segment because it is worth talking about. In the para-athlete team of the year selection is Anna Grimaldi. She's the a long jumper uh, para-athlete, and we're hoping to have a chat with her uh, tomorrow because she's competing tonight, and we'll have a chat to her hopefully tomorrow. All things being all crossed fingers uh, about the nomination. Holly Robinson and para-athletes, Lisa Adams in para-athletics, Dame Sophie Pascoe, understandably, and Tupo Naufi uh, in para-swimming. In the sportsman of the year, and I think this is where the, there'll be a little bit of angst going on. Hamish Bond in rowing, Kane Williamson in cricket, two team sports. Uh, Paul Cole in squash, who we spoke to this morning. If you want to hear that interview, just go into your uh, SENZ app, look at Mornings with Smithy and look at the podcast or whatever uh, platform you listen to your podcast on, you can find it as well. And Scott Dixon, six-time IndyCar champion. Remembering the awards this year cover 2020 and 2021 because we missed out on uh, a year. And the Sportswoman of the Year, this is tough. Uh, Three-time back-to-back-to-back world champion, Courtney Duncan in motocross, Emma Twig in rowing, Dame Lisa Carrington, Lydia Coe in golf, and Sarah Hiddeney. That's actually worth a real discussion, that one. Well, actually, oh, John's going, oh, maybe, okay. Well, we're going to have it, John. Uh, and the team of the year, the Black Caps, the Black Fern Sevens, Emirates Team New Zealand, the Rowing Men's Eight, uh, the women's pair of Kerry Gala and Grace, Grace Prendergast. That is a big old section to argue about. Coach of the year, Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney, rugby sevens coach. Corey now is, uh, the, I think, the lone coach. We're going to be chatting to a Black Fern Seven tomorrow on the show. Uh, also Gordon Walker, who we spoke to, and Tony O'Connor, the coach of the Rowing Eight, who won gold. And that was a, that was a, you know what, when you think about it, that was a big old win because the Eights is the blue ribbon event in any uh, rowing regatta and the fact that they won gold and Hamish Bond having spoken to him here on SCNZ saying he was asked over and over and over again by former rowing members uh, when is the going to win a gold? When is the going to win a gold? When was the going to win a gold? They won a gold. They won a gold. And in the Sky Sport Emerging Talent section, Connor Bell in athletics, Cool Wakushima, who we spoke to in snowboarding, Erica Fairweather in swimming, Grace Nowacki in netball and Marco Stamanich in football. So when you look across those that have made the finals, there are a lot of very, very talented athletes. Who has missed out? Are there some that have missed out? Have they deserved to miss out? Did you hear Louis Herman Watt this morning? Yeah. Upset. Like, he's a big horse racing guy. James McDonald, J-Mac, they love him. They love him here on the station. Yeah, but... Didn't get a nod. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Best jockey on the planet. Don't think so. 
I'll argue that point a little bit later, shall I? Like, let's just think about the sport as a whole rather than as a localised thing. And then, then maybe the argument goes a little bit better. It is half past 11. This is SENZ Summer Days. Finn Delaney, not too far away. Your big disgrace Kicking your can all over the place Singing We will, we will rock you 11.33 and that's what Breaker fans and Breakers themselves want to be doing again Rocking the house, particularly back home at some stage Because you know that when uh, I know when they go in and win on defence that's That song comes out, people start stamping their feet And getting getting the buzz going Well the buzz is back in a small way, but probably a more significant way, when the Breakers picked up their first win against the Brisbane Bullets on Sunday, 88-83. Finn Delaney, the Breakers forward, joins us right now. Finn, that must have been like releasing the pressure valve somewhat. Yeah, a little bit. It's definitely good to get that get first one after a string of losses. And um, like you said, a bit of a, sort of a relief and pressure off, but... Um, again, it's just one win, so got to get back to work for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, you're not too far out of it. I mean, it's an early day, early season, and I mean, the win loss record doesn't look great, but you know, you only need to string a few together, and then you're back into it. Yeah, you're you're, you're completely right. It's a it's a funny league where um, you know a couple a couple really good weeks and and wins you string them together, it can it can make a big difference in um, in the standings and, and things like that. So you know, you got to say. You've got to stay focused and um, not too high, not too low, really. Finn, from a team perspective, did you feel the sense of relief and a, and a lift in the mood after the Bullets game? Oh, definitely a lift in the mood, you know, everything, when it, when it kind of makes everything better. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just happy. It's been a tough couple of months, you know, with a lot of circumstances, so. I'm um, just really, really proud of the guys to, to be able to pull that one out. You've done this before. You're having to do it again. What did you learn from last season about tra- being on the road, being away from family and friends that you take into this season? Um, well, you know, now we have some um, some assurance that, that we're going to be here the, the whole season. Uh, we've got a lot more family around with us and, and things like this. So this, this really helps. Um, there's still some, uh, some things we're not so sure about in terms of uh, the scheduling and, and things like that, but um, you just have to really stay fluid, take it, take it week by week and um, just go about your business as you can. I was talking to your coach the other day and I said, mate, you, you, know, you know how to score points. You, you're the leading team when it comes to you know, putting it in the bucket, but you're, you're struggling big time on defence. How much time is being spent on your D? Yeah, yeah we are struggling a little bit defensively. Um, a lot of time, a lot of time. You know, there's nothing really um, defensively that we, that we can pinpoint and say this is, this is the, the one thing, it's really a lot of things. So um, a lot of a lot of time, a lot of practice, a lot of effort, a lot of film. Um, and, I'm, you know, everyone's willing to to work and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm really um, confident that it's going to get a lot better. Finn, a lot of coaches have spoken to me, and when you talk about defence, it's a, it's a mind game, it's a mindset. Is it the same in, in basketball? It is, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you have to have the mindset to go and work and um, help each other's back to buy into kind of schemes and, and game plans and, and things like that. And um, yeah, you're right. It, it is, uh, you know, very much a mindset, mindset. When you're looking at your own form, oh, and, and be honest with me, where do you, where do you put your, your, your performance so far this season at? 
Oh, I, I think uh, I think I've got a lot, lot more to give. Honestly, I think I haven't played um, personally played played the way um, that, that I know I can, and um, it was a close start, but. Uh, figured things out and, and took it off for sure. Let's talk about some of your teammates. Uh, how good's Yanni Wetzel at the moment? Uh, pretty incredible. He's playing at a super high level, being our, our best and, and most consistent player, really. And um, you know, Yanni's, Yanni's a workhorse and uh, just does everything right, you know, on and off the court. And so it's such a professional. So it's really cool to see him kind of have a really impressive streak. You get the feeling with the breakers, uh, Finn, that things are starting to come together. Now, you got point guard Peyton Siever back. How important was that to the team dynamic, but also about just the game plan overall? You know, it's, it's, it's huge. You know, Peyton's a guy that we kind of um, have planned, that, planned the team around and um, just such an experienced, high-caliber player. So to have him back um, on the court is, is huge. Everyone really likes playing, playing with him. He makes the game easier. Also, it's just a, you know, it's the PG back, so it's, you know, it's also a rest for, for guys like Will and, and things like that. So, um, just makes, he, he's this type of player that just makes, makes it easier for his teammates. I've got to ask you one thing, because I, I find your coach an interesting character. Is he an interesting character to be coached by? He's a very interesting, very interesting character, especially in this, this side of the world. Um, you know, I've had him for about three, three years now, and, and I very much enjoy working with him. Um, but he's very different to, to a lot of other coaches. So, so it's been a great experience um, so, so far working with him. He's very interesting. When, when's Tom back? Because I think that's the, the one that people are going, come on, where's Tom? Uh, he's a little while away, I, I think. Um, I'm, not, I'm not super across um, Tom's situation. Um, but I know it's probably not in, the, it's not in the next couple of weeks at least. All right, well, the, the, the Omicron outbreak has certainly uh, ramped things up as far as schedules go. So you're on a, you've got a big go. You've got three games in five days. You've got Melbourne United tomorrow, the Kings on Sunday, and then the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers on Wednesday. So when you think about this, Finn, you win those three, you're four and six and you're on a roll. Do you guys just take it game by game? You take it game by game. You, you have to, you have to f- fully prepare for, for one team. And then, um, and then move on to the next. Uh, you know, you can't look, look too far ahead. You know, the next game's often the most important. Yeah, of you know, of course. So, yeah, game by game, day by day, for sure. You got pumps by Melbourne United the last time you faced them, eighty-three sixty. They're on a four-game winning streak. Who do you need to shut down? Um, you know, Chris Golding's obviously the the first name that, that comes to mind. They they have a lot of pieces. Um, they don't do anything. Um, anything crazy they're just very solid and, and very sound in what they do but you know the first name that comes to mind is um, you know limiting Chris Golding and that's something we didn't do um, the last time out against them and then of course you've got uh, Tasmania they're, they're the brand new team have they surprised you how quickly they've adjusted they, they've surprised me yeah um, you know we, we had a tough game against them and they got the better of us last time and um, yeah they're, they're adjusting, adjusting to the league they've picked up a couple wins already and um, I think, uh, are playing well. So, um, you know, it's another tough game for us. Finn, the one thing we don't understand is playing in an environment, you know, in a country that's been, you know, it's all a talk about Omicron, this, Omicron, that. Uh, how are you guys dealing with this on a day-to-day basis? Just basically following the rules and sticking to protocols and getting on with it? Um, you know, following the rules and, and living with a, a certain amount of restriction and things like that. But, you know, it's tough. Um, personally, I've, I've just re- recovered from it. Um, you know, we come from a pretty, uh, pretty soon before last game and um, had a bit of isolation. So, um, you know, it's just an unfortunate circumstance and, and, and 
how we're living. You know, it's just a, an annoying thing. I don't wish to sound like a doctor or anything, but I'm. A, I am. A, did you have the Omicron variant? Uh, well, we, we think so. Uh, yes, I think I had, had, had that. And and how quickly were you were you through it? Um, I, I didn't feel too much um, physically uh, at, at the time. I had kind of a week of isolation, and then um, slowly got, got got back into got back into the court. My recovery was a bit, bit slow afterwards, but um, you know, I think I, I was pretty lucky. I had a pretty lucky case, so I'm doing all right. All right, uh, and but the likes of Jeremiah Martin, you've got Peyton Seaver back, and Tom will be a, a, a back soon enough. Do you feel there is light at the end of the tunnel here for the breakers to to find that role, to find their mojo? I think so. You know, I'm very um, optimistic about where, where we're going. Um, I think we have um, pieces that have come back already and have a lot more to give. Um, and you know, as you said, Tom Tom coming back is, is always going to be is always going to be huge. I think. Um, we're, 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 I think we, 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 we are really getting better, so um, a lot to be optimistic about. All right, mate. Three games in five days. I'll leave you alone. You've probably got lots of practice, lots of film to look at. Uh, thanks for spending some time for us. Look after yourself, bud. Thank you very much. Finn Delaney from the Sky Sport Breakers. Yeah, when you think about it, JD, they aren't too far off. And as he admitted, you know, you, you win a couple of games, you're back in the hunt. These next six days are massive for the breakers. Massive. Oh, oh, oh you th- you think as a as as a total season? I think these are season defining. Like if you lose these three, then you're one and nine, and you're dust. You're you're gone. You can't come back from one and <laughs> she, nine. She just and make it out, the playoffs. Just throw it out there straight away. That was the perfect clickbait answer. Yeah, yeah well, if you're one and nine, well, yeah, yeah, it's not even. It's reality. It's if the Warriors were one and nine, you'd say they're oh, gone no. from the eight. Oh yeah, wouldn't you? So it, it's yes, the same here for the Breakers. And I feel for Finn Delaney. He's a young man, 26 years old, and you. I got the feeling from that interview um, that he's kind of carrying this team on his shoulders. Uh, that he, with Tom Abercrombie out, uh, your captain, he's the he's the most uh, experienced player. He's he's the Kiwi guy. He's their big hope, and he's put a lot of pressure on his own shoulders. He's had COVID. Uh, he's yeah. he's shooting thirty nine percent this season. Uh, he's just he's not playing as well as Finn Delaney would like, and you could almost hear that that's getting him down and that's weighing on his mind. But with the return of Peyton Seaver running the point, running the team, he can maybe take that responsibility off his own shoulders and focus on his own game and what he's good at doing, and that's bringing a lot of defensive intensity. Finn Diesel, as they call him, is a very intense player on the court and I love watching him play so I hope he comes good and I hope the team comes good and the Breakers is such a we discussed this before the Breakers is such a good product those yeah. home games when we will see them God knows when but they are an event in themselves and and they throw well the old Breakers used to thrive on them you know they used yep. to throw when they were at their heyday because we're certainly well past their heyday they're sitting at one and six Hard to believe that they're, the, they're the highest scoring team. It's a, it's a margin of twenty points, but it's five hundred and fifty-seven in the in the can. But they've led in six hundred and twenty-nine points uh, so far. Yeah. in seven games. It's a, yeah, it's not good. It's not because eighty-three points is what they conceded in their last game, and that's the lowest they've kept an opposition team to in ten-minute quarters. This is an NBA twelve-minute quarters. This is forty minutes of basketball. The opposition are scoring at least eighty-three points every game against the break. And you ain't going to win many games if that happens. No, I always look at. I always look if you're close. Uh, I've always had this theory: if you if you're tied in the first two quarters, it's the old third quarters, the championship yep. quarter, if, and they seem to have struggled in that third quarter massively. They get off to great starts. I think in almost every game they've got off to a great start. But you're exactly right, Stephen. Superb analysis as usual. The third quarter is where they come unstuck. So, yep, Breakers fans, 
Hang just, in there. Yeah, keep the faith. Melbourne Unite, don't use keep the faith with the Breakers. The Breakers have actually won some championships. Whoa! Keep the faith. That's the Warriors saying, isn't it? Uh, yes, I know, but I just wanted to see how you reacted. But boy, you've just burnt me like you've never <laughs> burnt me before. Like the look, if you could see the look that John Day gave me, it was like, rolled the eyes. I did. Oh, don't use that well, phrase, please. you tried to say that the Hurricanes, the other day when we had Jason Holland on, the Hurricanes super rugby coach, that they were like the Warriors as well. They are. They've won a championship as well. Won, and they should have won a lot more. Yeah, but the way they play, yeah, the, their erratic nature. And you never bet on the Warriors, you never bet on the Hurricanes. There's two teams that are never in my multis. Isn't it, just, it just annoys me when everybody bags the Warriors. I mean, I'm not being sycophantic or anything like that, but, you know, they create a lot of good vibes. I'll tell you this for a fact, a fact, John Day, <laughs> that whenever there is a super rugby game being played in the Auckland region or at all, and if the Warriors have a win, no one is talking about the super rugby. They are talking about the Warriors' win, and people must remember that. That's right, and speaking of the Warriors... Not far away, are we, from Nathan Brown? Nathan Brown, a little bit. What time have we got Nathan Brown on? Midday. Midday, Coach Nathan Brown. (laughs) Wow, I'm having a moment today. And now you've wound me up at 11.46. A Warriors coach, Nathan Brown, coming your way just after lunch today. Have a listen because they've just finished their first preseason training block. We ask them all sorts of questions, don't we? Uh, Just a little bit of an NBA update as to figure out where your team is going. In the Eastern Conference... uh, this for me is like going back in years, but the Bulls are at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, of their last ten, they're nine and one, and they've just their their win streak is one. Followed by the Brooklyn Nets, who I was talking to JD about this. I just don't know about the Nets, man. The, the, there's like they've got this all star lineup, but I just can't see it. Kyrie's back, you know. Yeah, but only, Kevin uh, only best certain players. Kyrie planet, and Sean Marks at the helm. <laughs> Believe. Oh, so, so there Believe. you go. So there you go. It's, the, it's that <laughs> Kiwi thing. If Sean Marks is there, they're going to win. Uh, the Bucks uh, sitting in four, and the 76ers and five. 76ers without, oh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Who they're trying to get rid of the Gozzy boy? Oh, uh, ben, ben Simmons. Simmons. He's in my fantasy team. Well, Don't talk yeah. to me about Ben Simmons. Yeah, I wonder what they, that's going to happen. I wonder where he's going to go. I heard the Cavaliers were keen at some stage. In the Eastern Conference, uh, the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks. But they, the hottest team, not just in, in both conferences, is Stephen Adams Grizzlies. They have won their last 10. They are 10-0 and 0 and set fourth in the conference. And they just <coughs> beat the team no one thought they could beat, which was the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors. Yesterday it was, 116 uh, to 108. And the star billing was Jaram Morant, who had an interesting little chat with the reporter about uh, facing down a kid in the audience. You, after the last bucket, you got drew the foul, and you go into the stands, and there's a little kid wearing yeah, a Warriors. Disrespectful with that jersey on. He <laughs> was say that again. He was disrespectful with, <laughs> with that the jersey, jersey on. on. You no mercy for the little kid. Nah, <laughs> we in Memphis. <laughs> it looked like he wanted to cheer, but he had that jersey on. <laughs> I apologize to him, but in that moment, bro, take the jersey off and then dap me up. <laughs> Do you nah, expect him no, back? And you want him back in a Grizzlies jersey next to my, yeah, next for time? Sure. Yeah. Uh, somebody find you know his 
information. You know, I sent him one myself. So, little kid, after the game, Ja Morant, biggest star at a home game, wants Ja Morant's uh, autograph, wants a piece of him, wants a selfie. Ja Morant sees him in a Warriors singlet. Nah, buddy, I don't care that you're nine years old. Get out of here. That poor, that poor child will have will be having nightmares. But my mum, Ja Morant, said I had to take my jersey up. And it, was, it, was a, it was a Warriors jersey. Going to send him a new one, though. That's nice of him. Oh, is he? Yeah, he just said at the end, uh, I'll send him a Grizzlies one. Get yeah, his address, yeah. get his info, I'll send him a new one. Yeah, interesting, though, eh? I mean, I wonder, Stephen Adams is on the COVID. Uh, watch list at the moment, isn't he? So yeah, for he, the last week he's been on there. So yep. he'll, he'll come out of that. But amazing that he's found a team that looks, even at this stage, uh, a, a contender. And this is an early point of the season, I understand that. Uh, but he's a contender. Yeah, everyone, even Stephen A. Smith, who's the most outspoken yeah. person probably on the planet when it comes to sport and basketball, even he said, you've got my attention, Memphis Grizzlies. So that's how good they're going at the moment. Great to see Stephen Adams landing on his feet. Oh well, if Stephen A. Smith says it, then we we almost we almost bow down and 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 kowtow to the great one, Stephen A. Smith. But there you go. So if you're if you're going to the TAB, I think we are we talking to someone from the TAB uh, some stage days. Yeah, we got uh, Thaddeus Taylor today. Thaddeus, that's a hell of a name, Thaddeus Taylor. We might ask him about what the Grizzlies' chances are of going all the way here on SENZ Summer Days. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Heading towards lunchtime, if midday is lunchtime for you, Aussie broadcaster Neil Breen has tweeted uh, and he's following up on what Robbie Koenig said to us this morning. There is word the government will cancel Novak Djokovic's visa today. That will lead to this scenario. His legal team will file an injunction, which will be heard tomorrow. Djokovic will be drawn to play in the Australian Open as top seed. The injunction will be granted. The case will be heard next week. He will then play, meaning he could be thrown out mid-tournament if the court upholds the minister's decision. Fun times ahead. I just don't even think they should allow the, an injunction to be, they should just get rid of him. He's broken the rules. We know that even when Robbie Koenig revealed that uh, in detail how it appears the documents have been manipulated. It says, you've been, you, you know, you're not playing by the rules. Get the hell out of here. It's as simple as that. We'll keep our eye on that one as this case unfolds here on SNZ Summer Days. We're after midday. Warriors coach Nathan Brown. There's a Super Rugby game on, and the Warriors get a win. Everybody talks about the Warriors, and Gig goes, yeah, that's because the Warriors never win, so when they do, it's big news. Thanks, mate, or lady. I'm not so sure what Gig means. Could be a girl, could be a guy, but thank you for your interaction. But you can interact more with me uh, by ringing 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Hard to believe that the NRL season is fast approaching. How that season will look is going to be another interesting case to watch. The Warriors' first match of the year is against the St. George Illawarra Dragons on Saturday, the 12th of March at half past. Seven. Their coach is Nathan Brown, who joins me from his Redcliffe base now. And you've just come through your your first training block. You happy? Yeah, look, it's great for everyone uh, to be together this time after last year. So that was uh, really pleasing to have everyone together. And uh, obviously, all the players sort of being reasonably settled and having a sort of fair idea we're going to be sort of staying hopefully at Redcliffe for the twelve months. So it's only been very stable compared to the compared to the previous, which has been great. From a coach's perspective, how important is that knowledge that the players know that? Oh, I think it's yeah, obviously you know, the last couple of years have been very mixed for a lot of people and a lot of walks of life. Uh, not only you know, I suppose uh, rugby league, but certainly for the Warriors and the nomadic life where we've been you know, having some stability and 
you know, some sort of hope of being in the, the one spot, you know, albeit not at home, but being in one spot and being able to stay there, I think, is quite important. Now, probably, you know, more so for, you know, not only the players and the children, but definitely more so the players and partners and the children so that there's a bit of stability in their children's life in schooling. I noticed on the uh, company's Instagram feed that you did a, a meet and greet with the locals, and it already appears that you are well settled and they're, they're right into the Warriors. Yeah, the rugby are obviously, you know, in Queensland, you know, in general, definitely, you know, they're, they're all good rugby league people. We had a, a good sort of traditional cultural uh, mouldy sort of introduction to the to the locals, which was uh, which is very uh, not only uh, enlightening and a great learning for, for some, but, but also a great experience for. But not only the, only the players, the, the Aussie-based players, but certainly the people of Reaper as well. I, I want to talk to you about Sean because I spoke to him a couple of days ago and it was probably one of the most revealing interviews I've ever had with Sean Johnson. The fact that I, he is now very clear as to what type of player he is and what he has to offer. Is that what you were seeing? Yeah, look, when I, when, you know, obviously I've only just started to get to know Sean on the sort of latter part of, sort of last year, but from a footy point of view, you know, Sean's probably, he's not the, the, the flashy player he once was, but he's certainly, for me, a, a much better team player and plays with far more control. So he, he certainly can, uh, he certainly understands uh, how to build a game. He certainly understands the importance of uh, building a game of football. Where obviously, when he was a younger bloke, he was very, very flashy. He could do certain things which, you know, a lot of people probably aren't blessed to do. But, you know, along the way, he's learned. He's learned sort of game control and, and, and team management, you know, and those, for me, are, are probably more important uh, than, than the individual stuff. And, you know, Sean showed a his past few years that, um, you know, that type of game has certainly evolved for him. And, and I think, you know, not only uh, changing footy clubs, but, you know, leaving the Warriors and probably going somewhere else and leaving the country and moving away from people, all those things help people mature as well, you know. So gaining some life experience as well as, all his football experiences probably helped mould him into the position he is now. And so from what you see, do you give him free reign to control the direction of the team? Oh, well, you'd, you'd like to think his experience and the position he plays, you know, is going to have a big impact on our, on our football club. And obviously, you know, you know, Wade sort of played his 50 or 60 games now, and last year was Wade sort of first real starting year of playing a lot, a lot of minutes. You know? So we'd like to think Wade's going to evolve there and and what we do, you know, with you know, six and one, those type of things are going to have a some sort of impact too, you know, depending on the experience. Yeah, I want to talk about the people that. play in those positions, yeah? Yeah, I do. I, I, I want to talk about Ash Taylor because I, I, he, he has said that actually if he's given the opportunity, he wants to become a warrior full-time and he will move to New Zealand. And from my reports, he turned up to pre-season in sparkling form. How's he going? Yeah, look, we've been happy. We see a huge change for Ashlight. Obviously, his contract size, but with his contract size, and obviously having other people around, you know, who are probably more, I suppose, the faces of the club, and the, uh, I suppose the, the pressure of, of, I suppose, the size of the contract and the responsibility that can sometimes come with that. You know, that, you know, Ash is in a very, very relaxed place, you know, a very relaxed state, and, and you know, only just getting to know Ash and probably learn a little about where he's come from to his football and what he enjoys about his football he's certainly being relaxed and probably not having the pressure of everyone trying to I suppose compare his game to what he's earning I think that 
has gone to have a positive impact and actually allow him to more enjoy his footy because at the end of the day, you know, most of the young Indigenous boys, you know, they start playing footy from a very, very young age and you know, the money just a real sort of, I suppose, a, a secondary that comes with it, you know, where they, they just enjoy playing, you know. And if you ask Ash if he wanted to play footy tomorrow in a, in a knockout, he'd say yes. And if he's 40 and 41 and his body still sound, I'd imagine he'd still really enjoy playing where at times, I suppose, in the past few years with the, the pressure that's come from the size of the contract, I suppose, I'm not sure Ash enjoyed his footy all the time. So that's probably the real key for Ash is, is, is finding the enjoyment that he wants out as a younger kid. And if he finds that enjoyment, he's happy at the club, which he certainly puts the training all those signs. Yeah, we'd, be, we'd be confident Ash can certainly have a positive impact for our, for our football team. But what are you seeing from a pure footy sense in pre-season? Are you, are you seeing that kid that can play come back? Oh, look, we've certainly seen uh, a guy turn up to train and that certainly wants to train and it seems very happy in the environment. So that's probably the two keys so far is his desire to want to be there and want to train. Um, I want to get on the training paddock every day and, and he's certainly happy being there. You know? So seeing those two things only fill us with some, you know, some, some confidence that Ash can have a really good, good, good contribution for us. Have you settled on a harvest combination yet? Oh look, well we've obviously, obviously, you know, Sean's going to be our our number one experienced player. He's going to have a sort of an impact on the team. But what we have then is got some really good competition. Haven't we with Ash? You know, Chanel's a player who you know we've got plenty of confidence in. He's a developing young player who's got a uh, a great desire not only for himself to play well, but he's got a great desire for the club to do well as well. And unfortunately, last year uh, Chanel had. A bad injury run, a bit bad injury run. You know, so he had two long-term injuries. So he never got to play as much footy, and then obviously got Cody, who played international football at a number of positions. You know? So, so what we do have is we have a little bit more depth and a little bit more experience in the position. So um, where it all ends up, because different blokes can play different positions, I suppose, as anyone's guess. But you know, still a, obviously a fair way to go pre-season yet. And then we've got trial form and. And it'll, it'll sort of evolve itself. But what I do know is that all, all the folks we just spoke about will certainly have some impact for the football club. It's just what position and how it looks, and I suppose, and, and I suppose injury will play a part as well. Rugby league is a simple game, Nathan. But when I look at your forward pack, I go, actually, this is a half decent forward pack when you've got the likes of Tohu Harris, who'll come back later, Adam Fanua Blake, Ben Murdoch Masilla, Matt Lodge. Are you feeling sort of like a little lucky of what you've got at your disposal if everybody stays fit? Yeah, look, we'd be, we'd really obviously like the uh, opportunity to have all those guys play. Unfortunately, obviously, we got Lodgy late last year and then Tohu got hurt. Adam was hurt earlier, so we never really got all through. I think we only got all through on the field once against Penrith and Tohu picked up his bad knee injury. So, you know, the, the positive about all the blokes that said they've got some uh, a reasonable amount of experience now, and they're all sort of got some good footy about them as well. They're not just sort of straight up and down you now. So, so we're, we're really positive about you know, what we have to offer with our fallback, and then we've got some, some youth there, some players who you know, we feel can really develop now that have started to sort of get sort of 30 odd games. You know, uh, Josh Curran and Ellie Katoa, these blokes have sort of played sort of 30 odd games now, mm-hmm. 25 games, and, and you know, we're hopeful of them getting some really, really good growth during this pre season. Obviously, getting some confidence with the experiences they've gained over the past few years. Now, but you know, we, we, we sort of you know, we've got a good feeling about you know what your experienced players can bring, but you know, our best. Our best growth areas this year for me are going to come through the players that, are, that have obviously been at the club that are younger players that 
you know, hopefully through their experience over the past two years of not only playing but training and getting some great learnings, you know, we're, we're really hopeful that those guys' games will sort of be able to really increase this year. And there's, you know, there's plenty of them. I just mentioned two young forwards then and, you know, early, uh, Billy Army, Vallejo, Rocco Berry, all these types of kids, you know, Adam Pompey, there's a lot of them that played in the, in the past sort of two years under Books and Toddy and, and then myself that have played limited football, but, you know, they're starting to have been around the club now for a number of years and we're really, you know, we're really hopeful and mindful that if we can get good growth out of those players, that's where we'll get them some, some really good growth as a football club. Mate, what can we expect from Aaron Penne if he makes grade? Again, Aaron sort of wasn't with us, obviously, but he, he fits into the players that I just spoke about. Okay. He's 25. He started his first grade journey uh, last year with Melbourne Storm. I think he played about 14 or 15 games for Melbourne, and, and uh, he was sort of that sort of, I suppose, when Melbourne got going and they were all on the field, Aaron was sort of that unlucky forward that we missed out if they were all fit, which is uh, certainly uh, to make Melbourne's pack when they were fully fit is, is obviously quite a good achievement. You know? So, again, Aaron fits in that category of that player that you know, had the last few years of playing first grade and gained some good experience of a player, again, that we'd expect to grow next year and, and have a really good impact for our football club. You know, he's very fast. Um, he offers something different to some of our other players who have just spoken about through sheer speed. You know, and that type of player in today's game is very valuable and very valuable. And, you know, we're really quite hopeful that Aaron's going to have a, a, a good impact and some good improvements through his own game as well. Nathan, in an honest assessment, are the centre positions an area of concern? Oh, what I would say is um, you'd say they're a, they're a position where you know, the, the likelihood is they're going to be more than likely filled with players who haven't played a lot of first-grade football, but we've certainly got some very talented young players there. You know, um, now Obviously, you know, the Ewan decision, what we, where Ewan plays, obviously Ewan's got a lot of experience, but if Ewan wasn't playing centre, for example, then you know, whether it's Adam Pompey, Billy Villaya, uh, Rocco Berry, Adam Pompey, uh, Jesse, Jesse Arthurs, who we've got on loan from the Bronx. What we've got is we've got uh, a group of guys there who we've got a lot of confidence. We've got talent who, again, you know, we're, we're hopeful that the experience they've gained over the past 12 months, two years, and the training they've gained, you know, they're, they're going to really develop it. You know, that's what we've, we've got to put our confidence in them. And, and I'm confident that, you know, the place we're talking about a bloke that, those guys are going to, there's going to be a couple of those guys, whoever sort of, I suppose, gives themselves their best opportunity, trains well, and has a little bit of luck. That you know, there'll come a time where people say these these young blokes are, 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 are good young players. You know, they just need opportunity. That's all in a bit of time. Yeah, there's that old cliche, uh, Nathan, that we're all champions at the beginning of the season. But I sense from what I'm hearing from you that the having the stability of the team with their families around them and, and the growth that you are seizing, that we might be in for a, a half-decent season with the Vodafone Warriors. Well, look, as you just mentioned, mate, it is pre-season and it's a time of the year when I suppose uh, all the sides that missed out on the eight are uh, obviously uh, very hopeful of making the eight for different reasons. Some you know, the number of clubs that didn't make the eight last year, you know, Cronulla, a one club, the Broncos are another who, you know, they recruited three or four very high profile players. You've got Canterbury who brought a lot of mm. a lot of players into their club and you've probably got us who we've brought a you know, I suppose only a couple of experienced players who, you know, we're hopeful that a lot of our younger players are gonna develop but you know, the, the eight last year, you know, between seven and fourteen I didn't think there was a huge gap between six and up there was a fair gap and and that's the gap we've all got to look to look to close. Well, that's the gap we're trying to get to. And 
Uh, it's easy to talk about having a good year, mate, but it's, it's, it's harder to do. Yeah, yeah, know all about it, mate. Sounds good. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time. And uh, have you joined the the Justin Morgan Running Club and running every spare moment you get? Oh, I, I do. My runner Morgs is very uh, very specific about the how far he goes and the time he goes. I'm a uh, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit more easy going with the way I get about me running. So I don't actually run with Morgs. He's probably a bit too professional for me. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Appreciate the time. All the best. Nathan Brown joining us here on SENZ to just give me some update as to how their first pre-season training block has gone. I think the one thing that stood out for me, and he didn't really answer the question though, was the fact that Ash Taylor, who was on a train and trial contract, right, uh, actually has come out and said if he does the job, he hopes he gets a contract with the Warriors and will happily move him and his family to New Zealand. And I've said this on a number of occasions, having spoken to one of the assistant coaches, Justin Morgan, who said to me, Ash Taylor came to camp uh, you know, months ago and he was in great nick. And, and I find that a really encouraging sign. You're excited about Ash Taylor, aren't you? I am. You're pinning exci- a lot of the Warriors' okay. hopes on Ash Taylor. I, I'm, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back the truck up again, pal. I'm not pinning my hopes. All I'm saying to you, John, yes. is that I think he might be the better foil for Sean Johnson because it's quite clear after talking to Sean and now talking to Nathan, Sean is going to be guiding this team around in a more, as we know, mature manner and just not trying to do everything flashy. Whereas you know, off the mark, Ash Taylor's got gas. Yeah. As Sean did have. Yes, and very I, much so. And I just think that I think it might be quite a nice chalk and cheese combination. Yeah, and do you think the same thing might happen to Ash Taylor that happened to Sean when he left the Warriors and went to the Sharks? He learnt more about himself. Now that Ash Taylor's left that monster contract and he's come to a new club, will he become a more mature player? And isn't it interesting that Coach Brown talked about that without the pressure of having a monster contract? Now, if you remember, he was stood down by the Titans at one period for just you know mental health reasons, struggling with the whole nine yards. Yeah. So throw all that away, restart, refresh. Yes, I do believe, and I, I do like the look of the pack. The pack to me excites me. Oh yeah, Fanua Blake, probably one of the best props in the NRL, if not the best. Murdoch Masilla, who's got al- both Murdoch Masilla and Fanua Blake have alpha male written all over them. Yeah, yeah, yeah bullies. You've got to be big bullies in the middle of the field, don't you, to to, to compete with those you've top gotta, teams. You've got to be a bully. And at- Torhu Harris has to stay fit. Well, he's has not. To. He's not back till May. Yeah, right? so he's well. he's going to miss the first. At least you know eight eight potentially. He's March the key for me. Like he is so good. He is such a good player, like, and, and he can play anywhere on the edge. He can play in the middle. He's See, got every I don't, single I don't like skill. him in the middle. You don't like him I in the middle? I love Tohu Harris on the edge. Yeah. I think they made a mistake playing him in the middle. I think he's an edge player and a very good ed- edge player because he's a big chunk of human. Well, you just want him to get the ball as often as possible. And I guess on the edge with what the Warriors have got in the centres, like when you mentioned it with Nathan Brown, you're like, is that an area of concern? Well, not many people have played first grade that we're going to be playing yeah, there. Yeah, well, and, you, and you need big centres. You yeah. need big centres nowadays. And they don't have those wingers that you once knew, hey, these guys are going to score tries and mountains of them. So the, the centres and the wingers are the major concerns I think for the Warriors and centres are a really hard position too because you've got to be so defensively aware, you know. Particularly yeah. the Warriors struggle when that when on a drifting D, right? When it, when, the, yeah. when when teams straighten it up, they do struggle. But the, the, yeah, it's look. I think it's fascinating, and it's only pre-season. I always remember one of the one of the first 
physios of the Warriors, actually, no, it was a little bit later than that, said to me, round one, we're all fit. Round two to the rest of the season, we are constantly patching up players. And I think that's worth remembering. That's how tough the NRL is. 12-21, a quick text in says, uh, Titans to win the comp. Titans to win the comp this season. Okay. Uh, they are a chance because they were they they were probably the big improvers of 2021. We'll check in with Thaddeus from the TAB in just a tick. 13th of January uh, 2022 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 I'd love this texter to ring and have a chat because he obviously, or she, obviously loves their footy. Uh, Titans to win the comp. Uh, Adam Fernando Blake isn't the best prop. That's pointed at you, John. Uh, J- James Fisher Harris is miles ahead of him, even a Payne Haas. Yeah, but I, I know you said one of the best. I still think he's one of the best, but not the best. And put your house on a blokes, Jaden Campbell, rookie of the year. Well, he played last year, so I wonder if that meant he was. was can't be a rookie then. Can't, can't be a rookie, but hey, it doesn't matter. Jaden Campbell, uh, like his father, uh, Preston, is, is certainly a an excitement machine. Bring that one back, and you can catch the best of live racing. Download the TAB app today. Time to talk to Thaddeus Taylor. I love that name, Thaddeus. Is that is that a family name? Yeah, speaking of excitement machines, yeah. Good afternoon, Stephen. Uh, yeah, well, no, it was, yeah, it's not a family name. Just one the parents have stumbled over over a drinking game. No, I like but, it. I uh, like. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're giving yourself a rap, actually. Not an excitement machine, but here I am anyway. Hey, mate. Uh, let's let's talk about. Uh, we were just looking at the Grizzlies in there on this ten game winning run. What what are their numbers like at the TAB when it comes to the whole comp? Yeah, still thirty six dollars, and they've put through the Lakers a couple of times. I said they've beaten the Nets, so the second favourite to win the comp, and they beat the. Uh, Golden State Warriors yesterday yep. who were right at the sharp end of betting. So I think there's plenty of interest. They got out to, they were $91 at the end of November, Stephen. Uh, January 1, just after the streak started, they were still $67. $61 on January 5th, $41 on January 10th. And now they've crept their way into $36 after they beat Golden State Warriors uh, pretty convincingly um, yesterday afternoon. So, yeah, exciting times for uh, Memphis Grizzlies fans. The good thing about them, they're a real team. I mean, we all know Jay Morant uh, is a hell of a guard, but um, they all contribute. And Stephen Adams, obviously, not there currently. It'd be good to get, get him back in the frame. And if they can keep that up, uh, you'd probably be still pretty interested in the 36. Oh, oh, okay. So you sound like you really know what you're talking about. So would you jump on that 36 for the whole thing, would you? Well, I'm looking. I'm looking through the the, the teams at the top end of this market, and obviously the Brooklyn Nets are there. Uh, the Lakers are twelve dollars. The Golden State Warriors are always well back there, around five dollars. Um, they're just creeping up. I'm looking at the overall standings um, in the Western Conference, and the Grizzlies, Grizzlies up to four mm. um, at this stage, uh, behind the Suns, the Warriors, and the Jazz. And as I said, they beat the Warriors the other day. They've beaten the Suns, I think, uh, in recent times as well. So fourth in the conference at the moment, thirty six dollars. I still think there might be a little bit of value left. There's a little bit of juice left in the orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that just reminds me of someone called Jason Costigan when you said a little less juice in the oranges. Oranges at half time. Okay, what do you got for you? What do you got else you got for me? <laughs> you got there's plenty on this afternoon. Like, the best advice I can give you is to get onto that tab.co.nz promotions page. Um, there's a couple of bonus bet races uh, tonight at the Cambridge Harness. The uh, BBLs on full swing, getting down to the pointy end there. Yeah, but we've got the Sydney Thunder, Hobart Hurricanes, Renegades versus Melbourne Stars tonight. And if you have a Pre-match top run score a bit in that market if you 
play a second or third highest run scorer, you'll get your bet refunded as a bonus bet. The same game claim on a couple of uh, basketball games this afternoon. So you have a three or more leg uh, same game multi on either New York to Dallas or Chicago and Brooklyn. Chicago are going very well at the moment. Uh, you can get that bet refunded if you miss by one leg up to $50 as well. So as I say, Okaki Gallops on this afternoon as well. Uh, so there's plenty to sink your teeth into. I've got one for you though, Tacky Two Boys, num- race number seven, Roadster. Uh, Bryce Newman trains it extremely well back, currently $5. Uh, might be one to go each way on later on in the day, race number seven at Otaki. Oh, well, Plenty you, there for everyone. You've picked that one for me, Roadster. Makes a lot of sense. All right, go squeeze the juice, mate. I appreciate Go squeeze the orange, should I say. <laughs> I appreciate your time, Thaddeus. That's Thaddeus Taylor from the TAB. Uh, watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at the tab.co.nz. And look, just gamble responsibly, okay, because it's, it's R18. Just gamble what you can afford is the, old, is the old story. Okay, your chance to stump Stephen. 0800 150811. That's 0800 On a little bit of a run at the moment, not not pumping my own tyres, just saying on a little bit of a run, can you stump Stephen? 0800 150 811. Stumped by Stephen. And he has been stumping people regularly, but normally at 11.30, but we're going 12.30 today just to keep you on your toes. You and talk to me in a third person, he. I'm right in front of you, pal. I'm talking to the <laughs> listener. I'm talking to the listener. Because this is all about the listener, Mate, Stephen. You and I are going to have, uh, we're, we're about to have a Barney. It's a powder keg, isn't it? It's heading a... towards <laughs> one o'clock and the Hellberg discussion. We've just, yeah, we're building up to it. But right now, Stephen, we right. are giving away 50 bucks from the TAB as well as some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And I'm heading to a new caller who I haven't talked before on this segment. It is Jade from Hamilton. G'day, Jade. G'day, mate. How are you? I am very well. How are you? And how is the Tron for summer? Uh, she's stifling hot, mate. <laughs> yeah, real it hot. It like, gets like a fruit bowl. Having lived there for five years, it gets like a fruit bowl. You're like in the middle middle, and you need to head out towards Karapita and throw yourself on the lake. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, Jade, where do you go for a swim? You can't jump into the mighty Waikato and have a swim, can you? Nah, not really, mate. We head down to the local high school and open up there. A swimming pool uh, during the summer holidays, mate. So yeah, we shoot down there and, and take a dip. It's quite nice. Which high school's that, buddy? Uh, there is, I want to say, Fairfield. Fairfield High School, mate. Ah, good, good old Fairfield. All right, mate. John's uh, got the got the got the lever. I do, I do. So it's my first time playing with you on this game. Uh, you get three sporting categories. You choose one of them, and then I give you three questions. And if you get them all right, you get all the prizes. But as soon as you slip up, that's when McIver comes in and he can stump you. So today, your sporting categories are cricket, rugby union, and motorsport. Which one of those do you like, Jade? We'll go rugby union. Oh, come on. Rugby union. No fair. You have stumped someone once on rugby union, Stephen, so you do have something, (laughs) something to hold on to. All right, Jade, let's go. First question on rugby union. Moana Pacifica, I think is how you yeah, you say, say Pacifica, yeah. Are training. They're set to make their Super Rugby debut against the Blues next month. Name two players in the Moana Pacifica squad. Oh, Cristiano Liliafano and Kofi Kipu. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. A couple of Wallabies, mate. Stephen, you were all over that, weren't you? Yeah. 
<laughs> I had Nico Jones, <laughs> and he's a he's a, like a standby player. Yeah, he's like an injury replacement. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember Lelafano's name, but the the face was was staring at me. I just couldn't get. Nice work, buddy. That's one. Are you a Chiefs man, Jade? No, 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 no. Hurricanes. Man. Hurricanes. Uh, pal, pal, you hang on, hang on a minute. Uh, do you uh, do you come from Wellington? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'll, nice. I'll, I'll accept that as a weak excuse because you live in the Tron. Canes <laughs> uh, should go all right this year. They should go all right. Question number two. Name the coaches of the five New Zealand Super Rugby franchises. Four. Okay, you've got Scott Robertson. Uh, Leon McDonald. Yep. Jason Holland. Two more. Um, uh, nope. And the Chiefs, eh? Yeah, yeah, you got two more to go. Uh, Highlanders. Sorry, Chiefs. Uh, oh, he's from Bad Penny. He is. I can't think of his name. Are you no, going to get out, there? Are you going to get there? He's tapping out. I think he's tapping out. Tapping out. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cow <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to go there. I'm tapping. All right, you're I'm tapping, tapping as, well. as well. One of the <laughs> worst things I have ever seen done on a cow <laughs> Do you think you'll get it, Jade, or should I just read out the last two that you missed? Because you're still alive. Oh, look, it'll, it'll, come, it'll come to me eventually. Yep. It'll piss me off with you. Mouldy All Blacks coach as well. Great manner. Clayton McDonald. Yeah, Clayton, Clayton McDonald. Clayton McMillan. You were very close. And then, what, what, where would you go for a party if you are at the Highlanders? Whose house would you go to? Of course, mate. Tony Brown. Yeah, party at Tony Brown's. There we go. We got there in the end. But you are still alive. Last question on rugby with Stephen McIver going, <laughs> God, I can't wait till this is over. Yeah, please. All right. 25 games were played in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman last year. How many games did the Australian teams win out of 25? One. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct. I'm, Stephen, I'm, chance for a start. Okay, this is a wild guess, but it's I saw somewhere. But as it is genuinely a guess. I was thinking one, and I was thinking two, but I'm thinking four. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You thought too much. You thought too much. Two. Two was the correct answer. The Reds beat the Chiefs and the Brumbies beat your Hurricanes, Jade. But Stephen got it wrong, so you don't win the sleep drops, but you do win the 50 bucks from the TAB. Congratulations. Awesome. Cheers for that, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks very much, Jade, for putting me on my seat again. But uh, make sure you, you spend that wisely. Is it going on the horses or a sports bet? Uh, horses, mate, and we'll just 50 for the win on something. I'm not Roadster. Sure, the tip we got today was Roadster. I think race six in Otaki. Apparently, it's paying fives. There we go, mate. That, that, that's where we'll put it. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for playing, buddy. You're, you're a champ. I appreciate it, too. Just remember, though, you are on the Tron and you should be supporting the Chiefs. Well, not should be, but I get it because Hurricane supporters are actually very cool sports. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Drive safe. It's 12.40. This is SNZ Summer Days.
man, you get shine up, don't you? When you when you don't do you don't follow rugger and you just go, oh, that was tough. That was tough today, JD. I thought that was. You I know. thought they were gettable. If you if you like your rugby, and that's the advantage that the caller has, they get three categories. They can sum up the host. And then they can go for the category where they think they can beat the host. <laughs> yeah, well, the hard thing is I was told right from the beginning, you cannot use your computer because there's a camera on you. You cannot try and get it. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting here in front of my laptop going, oh, I just want to just want to check, I just want to check, just, but I'm not allowed to. So I do play fair, and that is the key. All right, 12.41. Uh, just a reminder, after 1 o'clock, John and I are going to go head-to-head. Well, not head-to-head. We're going to potentially have arguments over the nominations for the ISPS Handa Halberg Awards, which of which the 59th edition will be broadcast on Sky on the 23rd of February. There there are some discussion points, and I've actually got the original list of nominations as well. Uh, but it is a theme for what's coming up next, which will be Jack Link's Makes You Think. Who are making us think, which I'm <laughs> looking forward to. Yeah, it's been bloody good, actually, this week. Really enjoying it. mate. I haven't seen any of the product, though. Jack Links. I wouldn't mind it just around the office. Well, you are so radio. Yeah. These four-hour um, shifts, you get very, very hungry you for protein. To chew on. Exactly. Um, but cricket, first and foremost. Like, There's yep. not a lot of live sport to go to um, at the moment, but there definitely is a lot of super smash to look forward to. And some guys are really hitting form. Lockie Ferguson yesterday in the one day as in the Ford Trophy took six wickets. Yesterday for Auckland, uh, Colin Gronholm scored a century and Mitch Santner got a very good half century, but it was all about Lockie Ferguson. So if you're around the Auckland region this weekend and you want to see Lockie Ferguson play live, just go to the Eden Park Outer Oval. It is now called the Kennard Tire Community Oval and the Auckland Aces play the Otago Vaults Saturday, 15th of January at 2.40 in the afternoon, which is a lovely, lovely time to watch some cricket. And uh, uh, Super Smash is happening tomorrow as well and on Sunday. And this is all thanks to PGG Rights and Turf, Juriscape Lawn Seed from PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed Stores. And I know you love your Super Smash, Stephen. I know you'll be tuning in. You'll, I'll, I'll see you down at the Eden Park Outer Rover with me. But PGG Rights and Turf, you just ask about the Juriscape Lawn Seed from your local PGG Rights and or Fruit Feed Store. And you can come down with me. We'll talk turf. And we'll talk cricket, Stephen. Is that is that I, something I, you're interested in? I, I do need some good turf from my lawn. Okay, I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't mind some help with that. But you're not interested in the cricket part of yeah, that. Yeah, fair play. Okay, all right. Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger. Jack Links makes you think. Thanks to the all new maple and brown sugar ham jerky. The Halberg Awards have always been the highest honour in recognising sporting achievements in this country. This year will be the 59th edition. And it must be remembered that the true reason behind the awards is that it's a fundraiser for the Halberg Foundation, which does an enormous amount of great work in the community, particularly in the disabled sports field. The question that's been asked for many years now is are they still relevant when in Olympic and Commonwealth Games years, if there is success by New Zealand athletes, those athletes are given a huge leg up by the voting panel. Part of the process narrative is that an athlete must have succeeded at the highest level of their sport, and that can be a bone of contention. Take this year for example. Dame Lisa Carrington is a red-hot favourite to win the Sportswoman of the Year Award and the Supreme Award on the back of her Olympic endeavours. 
But are her heroics any greater than Courtney Duncan, the young Dunedin rider who is a three-time back-to-back-to-back world champion in motocross? The argument could be how many folks globally watch canoeing versus how many watch motocross globally. But here's something that not a lot of people know. And it's an important fact to remember, is that in the voting rules, there is a part to suggest that the emotional effects the athletes' achievements have on the nation. That's right, the emotional effect the achievement has on the nation. So if you take that into account with the coverage aspect in this country, you can sort of understand why Dame Lisa would get the nod. It's a shame, really. Unfair? Well, you might want to be the judge of that. You see, award ceremonies and who wins what are such a subjective argument. But for mine, we need to start having a greater awareness of sport on a more global scale and not fall into this, what I call, Olympic cycle style of thinking. Yes, I know it's a New Zealand award ceremony, but it's becoming far more predictable and it feels like a nod to sports that need constant funding, such as the way that sport works in this country. For me, how the nominations are agreed upon needs to change, and it's not that easy, because human nature dictates that people have their favourites. Now, some would suggest I'm being unfair, but I know that's what happens, having spoken to folk on the judging panel. The answer, by the way, is not to have it as a People's Choice Awards, because that's even more fickle. But maybe it's a mix of people's choice and a smaller number of people on the judging panel. What I do know is that it needs an overhaul to better represent what our athletes are doing around the world in a greater variety of sport. And it's not an easy job, but it does need changing. And even athletes are starting to vote with their feet by not wanting to be part of the night. Now, am I being harsh? Yes. But only for the reason to say... Let's find a better way of recognising the feats of our sports people. I'm not disrespecting those that have gone before. But I do believe, no matter what you do, someone is always, always going to be unhappy. But isn't that a good thing? Another small nugget to inspire someone? Well, actually, probably not. Because at the end of the day, athletes do not compete. Do not compete so they can be recognised at an awards night. And that was Jack Link's Makes You Think, thanks to the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar. They've gone the whole hog and it makes me want some more. Mm-mm-mm. 12.53, we're going to talk more about the Halbergs after one here. Myself and JD will have a go. Stick around. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Heading towards 1 o'clock, it's 12.58 with Stephen McIver, 0800 150 Bruce, what are you thinking? Very emotive topic, Stephen. I totally agree with everything you said. Uh, it really needs a rework. Uh, they really need to look at new categories. M- maybe, you know, it's, it's complete full-time overseas sports people that, that are in world competitions, you can't compare with, with home competitions. Maybe in Olympic year you have two or three categories specifically for Olympic performance and brilliance or whatever. 
But 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 hang um, on. But, but you're but you're saying you know, but you're saying discount the professionals. No, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm saying you need to they they need to realign new categories and somehow because you can't you just can't compare a, a canoeist to a racing car driver to a, a horse jockey to a sailor. It's too hard. It is well, and, and there, it's there, there lies, and really. Bruce, you're right. Therein lies, therein lies the issue. But the, the, the voting rules are quite clear. Uh, I just, I just think uh, it, it, be, it has become too predictable. It, it, it absolutely is predictable, and there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, recent performance in people's minds compared with something that happened a year and a half ago. There's, there's a lot of things that motive, um, but. You know, you and I probably don't have all the answers, but they certainly need to realign. Okay. Um, hey, the Warriors, by default, may have a good year because they're in a full-time, pretty much, Australia base. And I always said the only way they're going to succeed is by having a full-time base over there. And oh. I like the squad and go the boys. Yeah, but I'd like, I, I mate, I'd like to have them back home, but I appreciate you being part of the conversation today, buddy. Appreciate mm. that, Bruce from Christchurch. Have a great day, mate. It's heading towards a one o'clock. Uh, John McNeil, I don't think, has his flip-flops on today, because it was very quiet. So, but, oh no, wrong, got him. Oh, you done your, your toenails? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Up after one o'clock, I go head-to-head, battle with JD over the Halbergs. Couldn't be there. Hamish Bond in rowing, and Kane Williamson in cricket. Why not? They're a team. They are, they are in a team. Now, the Hamish Bond one, if you didn't know what was going on about the effect that he had on that team, it, you wouldn't know anything about it. It does not stick out as an individual achievement. Same with Kane. Now, okay, so Kane may have done a ton here, ton here, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still a team, purely for me, team See, so you've got Paul Colin squash and Scott Dixon in motorsport, which takes us back to 2020 when he won his sixth IndyCar title. So who who else was a potential uh, finalist in there? Well, you could have had trampolinist Dylan Schmidt, who won bronze in the trampoline at Tokyo. Global nature of the sport, Global, trampoline. Right, mm. okay, fair play. No, fair play, but uh, Hayden Wild, triathlon. That definitely ticks that box, global that, nature that of the sport. definitely ticks that spot, yep. right? And, I mean, if you really broke it down and you're talking global nature, cricket? Yeah. Come on, let's like, be Not really, in the US, not in blunt. China, not in, not in Russia. Yeah. So that's like three of the biggest countries. global nature of the sport. Yep. Do you yep. see on ESPN Sports Centre them going crazy over New Zealand beating Bangladesh or Bangladesh beating New Zealand? Generally not. Generally not. So, for me... Uh, Hamish Bond and Kane Williamson should not be in there. But I disagree with that, Stephen, respectfully. because You don't have to say respectfully because it means you're going to hammer me. Well, let's just say Michael Jordan's a New Zealander, but he's in a team. So you're telling me because he's in a team, Michael Jordan could never be the best sportsman in New Zealand because he's in a team. He Okay, that was an unfair call. (laughs) Completely unfair call. You make a point, mm. but I still think they may have to make it clear. If you are a member of a team, you cannot be eligible for the sportsman or sportswoman position. Well, I just find that unfair because... Well, it's not unfair. Because... Because we're talking about individual achievement. And there is a category for a team. There is, absolutely. But in a sport like cricket, individuals do shine. Like Sir Richard Hadley, 
easily deserved to be the sportsman of the year and sportsman of the decade, and he was, and was part of a team, a cricket team, because he was an outstanding individual in a team. And I think you can raise individuals out of teams to be the best sportsman simply on numbers like you can in basketball and in cricket and even in rugby with stats. But rowing that Hamish Bond one I will give to you. You, no, you, you're going to give me that one? Yeah, I will, because as a rowing eight, how do you just select one guy and go, he's rowing way better than anyone else yeah, in correct. that boat? Because that, that for me, and, and I like Hamish, and he, I love Hamish. He, he's not going to worry yeah. about us talking about no. this, uh, is, is the fact that he was the key to that eight, I am told. right? But no one else knows that. Yeah, We were, we were privileged information to know that what was going on, right? It was, you talk to people. But again... It's reputation I, that's got him into the finals here. I will, con- I, I will concede, I will concede the Kane Williamson one, but I, for the sake of the argument, if we're talking about changing the way this is dealt with, when you've got other people missing out, like, for instance, Shane Van Gisbergen or Scott McLaughlin, who won his yeah. third in a row supercars champion, not because I, I do that, but you just look at the, what's going on. Because they wouldn't have looked at the global nature of supercars if we go no global nature. Yeah, it's just like Aussies versus New Zealanders. That's yeah. not a global... Yeah, that's not. And is it a pinnacle event, so supercars? I, so, okay, so... For the sake of the argument, for me, no, you cannot have a team sport player in an individual category. And we're, we're changing the rules as it goes on, so it doesn't really matter. So who's your winner? Who's your winner oh, out of those four? For me, for Paul Cole, straight up. And most people would have thought it said Scott Dixon, which, you know, he, he is one of the most underrated sporting individuals this country has ever produced. But because he's been in the States and, and motorsport is treated with disdain in certain areas of the sporting media here, uh, you know, that's, that's how it goes. So for me, Paul Cole, because it's a feel-good, but again, you could argue global nature of the sport. Well, let's go Pin- back to pin- the criteria. Pinnacle event. Pinnacle event, definitely. Yep. Number two, regarding the achievement, what is it, a world record, world ranking or recognition? He, recognition. He got up to world number two. Yeah. So he wasn't world number one. Yep. That's okay. Quality, the quality of, the field, of the field. Yes. Fair enough. Unreal quality. Like that. The Egyptians are incredible. Yeah. And, at, and, and global nature. Global nature. Of question the mark. Question mark. Yeah. So I I I'm putting money. I'm putting money. It goes to Williamson. Yeah. For that. For that. When we just read out the criteria there, Kane Williamson, best batsman in the world, number one ranked batsman in the world. Was it as pinnacle event, the World Chess Championship? He yep. he yep. got okay. got us there, and the T Twenty World Cup final pinnacle events. He's taking us there. Quality of the field and competition always good. The global nature of the sport we've said is arguable. Is it, is it it's probably slightly more global than squash cricket. Yeah, fair enough. So, but Kane, but, got- but but you can see how people get angry. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the. I think one of the toughest ones here again, completely, is the sportswoman of the year. So you've got Courtney Duncan. Motocross, three-time back-to-back world champion. And but only two of them count in this cycle. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Double world yeah. champion, right? Yeah. Emma Twig, rowing, gold. Amazing gold. What a row. Doesn't matter. It was an, it was an, it was an yeah. amazing an yeah. amazing row. And you could almost call it the comeback row of the, the, the century. Absolutely. Dame Lisa Carrington, yes, we know. Olympics, pinnacle Three event. Three gold medals. Global nature of the sport. Minimal. Minimal. Lydia Ko, golf. Hmm, I, I'm surprised Lids, Lids is in there uh, with a bronze. But golf, huge. Yeah. Well, that's, huge. that's where Lids gets like right up there. Because when you look at golf compared to kayaking, 
Uh, sorry, but yeah, I think golf is probably in women's sport the most played sport across the world. Yep. And she won a tournament last year, climbed right back into the top 10, didn't win a major though. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh-huh. regarding the achievement, the and world record, world and ranking. And Sarah Hurini, Rugby Sevens, mm, team sport. Yeah. Team sport. Okay. But, so for me, again, uh, Sarah, and, and, and an amazing leader, an amazing leader. No disrespect, but I don't think it should be in Sportswoman of the Year. But was it a world record, world ranking or recognition? Yes, she's New Zealand's Rugby Player of the Year. That is a recognition for Sarah Hidini. As right. well as an individual Pinnacle event, Olympics, yes. yes. Quality of the field, yeah, not great. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, not great. And that and takes nothing away the from the gold. Takes nothing not away from the gold medal. We're not being disrespectful. No. We're just saying if we're being cut and dry and black and global nature of the sport. I mean, rugby will tell you it's a global sport. It's not. Yeah, and it, especially it, 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 it's like rugby league. It's like you know, it's, sevens is probably more global. Well, they'll tell you that. Because it's an Olympic sport and more countries want to compete. Okay, I'll, I'll concede slightly on that point. Mm. Um, it, uh, someone's just texted in. I disagree, Stephen. So if Kane scores four tonnes in a calendar year and scores over 1,000 runs in a year. Okay, well, we actually have said Kane probably wins this one. Um, <laughs> and then J-Mac the jockey. This is the whole, surely should have been the final of the Halbergs. Will on the Gold Coast is listening to us, by the way. Yeah, like that. Um, so who else in the women's category yep, okay. isn't there that maybe Righty should ho. be instead of Sarah Hiddeny? So ones that I potentially think should have been in there. Ooh, yeah, no, nah, they got the best. Yeah, they got the best four. Yeah, no, nah, they got the best. No. Five. Yeah, they got the best. So, okay. So, so who's your winner? Well, you know who it's going to be, Lisa. don't you? Lisa, uh, Dame Lisa's going to, yeah. going to hose in on that one. But you like Courtney Duncan. There's I, nothing more she could have done. Not completely. Yeah. And global nature of the sport. And I would have to quickly run Huge through. Huge in Europe. Huge in fact, in Europe. so big in Europe. Like, she, every time we talk to her, she's like, you don't understand how big motocross is Call up it, here. And she is in fields of 30-odd races every Every time. race, yeah. Yeah, right, every race. Now, canoeing. And that Chiara Fontanese, who she beat, beat, like she is like a multiple world champion, yeah. and she's beaten her three years in a row. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. So, so for me, I would have happily given it to Courtney Duncan, but the fish heads will say that was the wrong decision. Yeah, it's three gold medals is really tough to beat, Stephen. Like, we're not talking one yeah, here. No, no, we're I'm, talking three, and I'm, we're talking world records. And sure, the global nature of the sport is minimal, but everything else, she ticks the box out of this world, like thrashes all her other competitors in the other categories. See, see they don't help themselves, the Hellbergs, by saying global nature of the sport. Mm, no. Because that puts them in the poo straight away. Yeah, with all those, most of our Olympic sports that we do well in, shot put, Kayaking, rowing, global nature of the sport? Question mark. Yeah. Big question mark. Okay, let's move on to the team of the year because I think this, again, is a toughie. So you've got the black caps in cricket, right? We And, and I, you know, when I, as soon as I look at this one, I, I, I say they win straight away after winning the Test Championship because that's what people want to see. Yeah. Blackfern Sevens, right? Again, fantastic result. Probably had more people talking about it. So from that emotional perspective. Yeah. That one should get, could or should get, no. Emirates Team New Zealand, well, they had huge numbers watching, but the global nature of the sport. How many entries were there? How many? Yeah, no, yeah. it's not necessarily about that. It's about how many. How many people uh, care? care. Watch it. No, <laughs> Mate, seriously. Yeah, no, you're right. Completely right. And and I and I, I, I struggle with that one only because I was involved with it, right? And then I looked at the numbers after, and they were, they were it was like 
50 times more people watched it this time around than they did last time, right? But the number's on a global level, right? Yeah. Half a billion. Yeah. But uh, the men's eight will go close, and then there's the women's pair of Kerry Gowler and Grace Prendergast. So you've got two rowing, again, two rowing, right? Yeah. I, for, for me, looking at that, probably the Black Caps win team of the year. Yeah. Because of, and the first nature, pinnacle event, first time, and everybody's going to go, ooh, ah, that made us feel good. We, we, won a, we won a mace. And backed it up by making the T20 World Cup final. Okay, fair I think play. that's when they made that final as well. That was like, well, they, what else could the Black Caps really do? To, we, if they're ever going to win this award, it's going to be now. I thought we were going to argue on that one. I thought we were really going to argue did on you, that did, one. What did so you think other, I was going to go for? Uh, the other team of the year, the Silver Ferns, were in there. Uh, no, the, they, when they won the World Cup, that was 2019. Yeah, I the Ollie Whites. Uh, oh, see, look, here's another one Marcus Daniel and Michael Venus. Bronze and doubles. For the first time since 1920, a New Zealand team, because the last time it was an Anzac team, yep. won an Olympic medal. So that's number two criteria. What achievement was it? A world record, world ranking or recognition? That's that's an achievement that's never been done before, winning an Olympic medal. But it is tennis doubles. It is like, the, when you, you know, is it the pinnacle event of the sport? Definitely not. It is doubles. And I love the achievement. Absolutely love it. But the class of the field, not great. Wow, you are harsh. I am harsh, was, and I'm no, not that, always right. That, but that, is, that is your harshest call. Okay, let's move on to uh, coach of the year because this is Wait, always. So we've both picked the black caps there. Sorry, yeah, I think we both. Okay. I think we both picked yep. the black caps okay. there. Uh, on to the Buttle Finley coach of the year. So, and we spoke to Gordon Walker this morning, and we've spoken to Gary Stead this week. Yeah. Uh, we just haven't spoken and to... And both t- very impressed by them both, as well. Both very impressed. And I think they probably stand head and shoulders uh, Who else have we got, respectfully. Sorry? Alan Bunting and Corey Sweeney for the Rugby oh, Sevens. They get a lot of credit, Antonio those two. Antonio O'Connor for the men's rowing eight. Mm. Uh, there was a, quite a quite a few... Uh, gosh, let me just have a quick look. I'm just having a quick look now. Uh, Gary Hollywood, who led Lewis Clairbert. Yep. And Sophie Sophie Pascoe's coach, Riley Crichton, missed out. Yeah, he was on the um, he was on the hospital bed while she was over there in Tokyo, and she was calling him from his hospital bed uh, getting tips. Dale Stevenson, who was Dame Vals and Tom Walsh's coach, yeah, he missed out as well. Two uh, medals for Dale and no nomination. Uh, yeah, so uh, for me, having spoken to both Gary Stead and Gordon Walker today, me it's Gordon Walker. I think he's won it before, and uh, I. But it's a tough one because Gary said came in into an area after, as you said yesterday, after Mike Hesson, and we're going, well, this is going to be a tough one. And he has just moulded it, done his job as a man manager, yes. as a coach, and got the best out and recognised, and he's always willing to give you something. But after talking to Gordon Walker this morning, you just simply go, he is a completely different animal. He reads like you wouldn't believe. But when he... When he takes on board, his father has always said, who was a, a teacher, you break things down like a puzzle and break things down into and compartmentalize. So for the end goal, there are 10 things you must complete for the end goal. Mm. It's so simple to understand. And that's one part of his coaching man, 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 mantra, excuse me, yeah. to find that extra 1%. It was great hearing his method this morning. And I felt like that is a real partnership and that him and Lisa teach each other. They almost learn a lot from each other. Whereas Gary said, I think you use the right term, man manager. 
and he's got some special breeds of cricketers in front of him. And Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor and Trent Bolt, Tim Southey, guys that are like unreal at their jobs and, and the peak of their powers. So, But they're the peak of their powers only because they still need, even at your peak of their powers, you still need inspiration. Mm. You still need someone to be able to tap into that talent to make that talent perform. Yep, yep, agreed. And that's not easy when you're dealing with cricketers like that. So for, for okay. me, I, I'm Gordon Walker as well, actually. I would love to give it to Gary Stead because I've said on the station before, Stead needs more cred from the uh, New Zealand public. Uh, and I think he's done a fantastic job. But for me, yeah, okay. what do you think? Walker. What do you think of this text from Kenny? He goes, one thing that should be considered, even in an individual sport, <clears throat> there is a massive team behind them, which contributes to the success of those individuals. Yeah, that's what we're just saying with Gordon Walker, aren't we? And then he even mentioned her um, mental skills coach is absolutely huge. For her as well. So behind Lisa, there'll be, um, yeah, a huge amount of people. But at the end of the day, it's one individual performing to the highest level, right? Yep. And that's where you and I will just will continue to disagree on the team, we will. individual in a team versus an individual in an individual sport. Does Do they need to be separate categories? Does there need to be sportsman for individual sports and then sportsman best, for best, team sports? Best performance by an individual and a team. It's a bit like, yeah. I think, what they do in the ESPYs. Yeah. I think they do similar things like that. Yeah. I just think they need – but just don't make it so many categories that it becomes even a longer show because it's – whoo. Okay, so there you go. So we've – who wins the overall? Uh, you're going to say Dame Lisa, right? I'm going to say Dame Lisa. Three gold medals, can't beat it. What are you going to say, Stephen? Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree with you. But when you look at the criteria, I still have question marks over the global nature of the sport. Yep. But hey, there you go. So what do you think? 0800 Do you agree with our picks for the winners of the key categories? Or do you think it needs an overhaul to truly recognise global sports or just refine the categories somewhat? 0800 It is 1.24. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. It's 1.28, so our little discussion's got a couple of people riled. Goose says global sports shouldn't be criteria, as New Zealand there aren't too many global sports we play. Uh, Jono has gone, boys, you're off your rocker. It's actually forced Jono to give us a call uh, for the first time. G'day, Jono. Boys, how are we? Okay, so uh, why are we off our rocker? More just, uh, you know, the way that you dismissed uh, the men's rowing act. Yeah, I think um, you said you know, rowing's not that, that much of a global sport. I mean, you don't get any more global of a sport than rowing. Um, you're comparing, you know, the Test Championship victory over a couple of years, which is great, but, you know, how many teams are in that Test Championship, I think, 10? How many, how many are realistic winners of it? Five? and it's great that we won it, no doubt, and it should be triumphant. But that men's eight was one of the greatest performances in Olympic history from a, from a New Zealand point of view. And you the know, blue ribbon event. Yeah, no, and I can, you know what? Yeah. I cannot disagree with you on reflection because I just looked up how many uh, teams there were, were competing in rowing in the Olympics, and do you know what the number is? This is countries competing. No, I, I'm not. Okay, 80. Yeah. Eighty countries. 80. So, so I'm going and, to, I'm going to, I'm going to concede. 
I'm conceding to you on this one, and I'm I'm glad it drove you to ring us. Mate, and I think, and, and I'm not a big rowing fan, but when you hear the story of of that men's eight, they hadn't qualified at the start of the year. They weren't they weren't even going to be sent. Um, and and rowing New Zealand didn't have a lot of faith, and somehow they found I think a benefactor stumped up the money and sent the men's eight overseas to qualify in the in the last minute regatta. They had to come back and do two weeks in MIQ where they couldn't really train but on an erg. And then they get over there and, and they didn't win. They dominated that race. They dominated the biggest, strongest European and American crews you'll ever see. Um, and they, they won easily in the end. And it, it is, the, I, for me, I think it's the greatest performance we've ever had in an Olympics team. I think it's probably been, over, not overshadowed, but it's been somewhat, um, you know, uh, I guess not, not dialed up to the extent that it is because of how well we did with all our other events, which is amazing, and you can't take away from that. But that means eight in the most blue-ribboned event is phenomenal, and I think, to me, that is, your, that is your team of the year. And to be honest, I would say that is your supreme award winner. But again, how do you compare the men's eight who really only have the opportunity to win one medal versus Lisa's three versus everyone else? So I sort of agree... I agree with your whole sentiment on the award show as well, but for me, I think you can't look past that men's eight for um, team of the year. Jono, that is the best argument that's been put to me all day, and, and I and I really appreciate the thought that you've put into it. And I, you may have convinced me to, to to lean in the way you are thinking. Where are you calling from, mate? I'm from Auckland. Ah, good man. Were you out on the road working today, or just cruising? Yeah, uh, uh, trying to avoid work. <laughs> I appreciate the call, mate. You feel free to call again or anything like that because that was a, a well-thought-out argument. Thanks so much, mate. Cheers, boys. He got, man, he got me. Got me completely. Got me too. Got me completely. Yep. Uh, I'm, I, concession 132. SNZ Summer Days remembering Ronnie Spector, lead singer of the Ronettes, one of their big songs. Died today, age 78. And Be My, Be My Baby. Oh, what a great song. It's 1.35. One of Ben Kennings will be our baby today and, and deliver us something special of the uh, National Surf Champs. G'day, Ben. Hey, Stephen. How are you? Did you even, uh, do you even remember that song? <laughs> I can remember it, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, it sounds to me like uh, in the men's section of the National Surf Champs in Tauranga Bay, uh, things are going to plan as far as seedings are concerned. Yeah, pretty much. So we had uh, quarterfinals today, and um, of course, Billy Stearman is here, our Olympian, um, easily advanced through to the last eight surfers, along with Caleb Cutmore from Raglan, so two Raglan is there, uh, Levi Stewart from Waihi Beach, looks solid, Daniel Farr from uh, Taranaki looks uh, in impressive form as well, so a few other guys, and one of the, probably the dark horses, um, young Jay Piper Helian from Pityunga. Okay, now, so the the question I always want to ask is, what are the conditions like? What what sort of breaks are they getting, and are they happy with what they're seeing? Yes, I think with our event organisers, and I think the surfers and the participants are. So, um, lovely one, one and a half metre swell, um, typical West Coast. There's, a, there's the odd wave that comes through, and then there's some calm periods in between, but... Um, for the West Coast down here in Westport, I think we've been really blessed this week with um, conditions and are set to continue for the next two days. What's going on in the women's division, open division? Yeah, so uh, we had the match-up today. Ava Henderson and Paige Harrop. Paige Harrop getting the better of that one, surfed with brilliant heat. Um, so those two are through to the last six surfers, along with Natasha Goldsbury from Taranaki, 
also I think it was Bree Bennett might have got through as well, and one of the surfers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that one's starting to heat up. Both semi-finals, open men's and open women's division will be held um, tomorrow. Uh, so what what else is going on? I was reading that there are so many uh, divisions in the National Surf Champs. Can you keep a, abreast of it all? Yeah, it's a little bit hard, to be honest, Steve, but um, the Nationals is one event where we run everything from 14s through to over 60, so junior age groups and senior age groups and all disciplines, so shortboard, longboard, stand-up paddleboard, kneeboard and bodyboard. Um, certainly hard to get a hold of, but... It, uh, it is a unique event in New Zealand where everyone sort of comes together and you have families competing, um, father-son combos, mother-daughter combos. So um, it, it makes it a cool weekend and you know, good catch-up with everyone from all around the country. Well, and most importantly, too, we're doing it. We're actually, in the, the times we live in, you've actually got a, you've got a national championships going on. You know, sometimes at these times... Uh, you, someone pokes their head above the water, particularly in the junior ranks. Have you spotted yes. anyone that's going, hey, um, look at me, I, I could be the next big thing? Yep, there's probably, I can give you one male, one female, I think. Um, young Leah Miller from Piha has been a standout this week. Um, she did just lose one of the age group divisions, but um, a real, uh, and also a young up and coming from Kiranaki by the name of Spencer Rosen. Um, really cool character, awesome family, and one of those um, surfers that will surf anything. So he'll surf a shortboard, he'll get on the stand-up paddleboard. As long as he's in the ocean, um, he's enjoying it. What sort of crowds are you getting out there? It's, it's actually, you know, being in Westport, we haven't been here since 1997. Creates a bit of a buzz around town, so um, today, a beautiful sunny day, the beach is um, full, and there's tents and uh, umbrellas all along the sand dunes, and Everyone's enjoying the uh, show. It's a nice part of the world, hey? Oh, stunning. Stunning. The drive through from uh, Blenheim through to here was awesome. Um, the surfers that are heading either you know, today or tomorrow are heading Katamir or down to Pinakaiki. And, um, everyone's just having a, a look around and enjoying it. How many possum pies have you had? <laughs> no possum pies yet. I'm pretty much second. In the morning, seven at night. So, again, catered for uh, by the lovely Borders um, team and um, the stunning food to be fair, but no possum pie. All right, appreciate the time, Ben. Thanks for thanks for sharing what's going on, Mud. Thanks, heaps, Steve. All right, Ben Kennings, uh, just reporting on what's going on at the National. So Paige Hare, Billy Stammer, the big names are through and uh, into the men's uh, and women's quarter. So that's, well, she's under the last six men's are into the quarterfinal stage. So uh, good to have that little update. Poss- what, what, honestly, have you had possum pie, Jay? No, but every time oh, so I, I drive into the West oh. Coast, there's a huge sign saying possum pies sold here. And every time I look at it and I go, I'm not that hungry. I've had kangaroo ones. Okay. But it was, you know, eh. Was it nice? Was it nicely slow cooked and tender? Oh, I don't know. It was a pie. Do you do you honestly get your mince and cheese pie and go, wow? The look quality at that. of the meat means yes, a lot in a pie. I, can, do you honestly hold the pie in your hand? You stare at it lovingly, going, I do, I, mm, I do. Oh, that is that has been that has been that mince has been just done to perfection. I can smell it. I haven't tasted it yet. I take the first bite and I look into the pie. And if I see grey globby mince, I'm like, ugh, and I'll bin it. But if I see that beautiful brown gravy and nicely individual bits of mince all in there, it's just like lovely. Okay, so this opens up a can of worms. Where do you get the best mince pie or mince and cheese pie? Where, oh, where, what's BJ's your what's your go to? BJ Bakery Hawks Bay. Yeah. Brian has just said. Oh, BJ. 
BJ I, Bakery. BJ's Bakery, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. What about you, John? I don't have one in Auckland. Auckland has disappointed me in terms of pies. My local bakery's not up to standard. I don't want to put them out there oh, on no, the no, radio. Fair play. No, no, fair um, play. So Rye Valley, actually. Rye Valley. Yep, the Rye Valley is in between Blenheim and Nelson once you drive over the Fongamoas, and they have beautiful venison pies. A venison Rye, pie. Yeah, now we're talking. Okay, so I was told to stop in Tirao. Yes. And no. get a pie. Uh, and it's. I, I wish I could remember the name of the place, but it's on the left hand side. <laughs> which way are you driving in? I'm, though, I'm driving south? towards. I'm driving towards home, which is Putaradu. Okay. So I'm going north to south, and there's a little cafe on the left hand side, about the middle of the main street. That does pies, and they said you've got to stop country? there and try their pies. I was doing going to Tokoroa for a Sky Speed shoot. Gosh, that's two years ago. So you oh drive God. past the corrugated iron you, dog, yeah, and, and the, the sheep, and it's pretty much just past this. Past the, the Celtics, yeah, it's just there. Yep. It's in the next block. Yeah, so I okay. think it's the first shop in the next block, right? Yeah. And it was such a good. I kid you not. It was such a good pie. I rang them up on the road <laughs> and said that is the best pie I've ever tasted. <laughs> I just because I wanted to make someone's day and make them feel good about the job they were doing. And you tried to tell me, do I care about the quality of meat in my pie? <laughs> and you're on. a guy who was so impressed <laughs> with the pie that you called them up instantly <laughs> and told them how much you love their pie. <laughs> hey, let's just agree as New Zealanders, yeah, we, love, we our love our pie. Okay, I think what we should do right now before we take a break is uh, let's play What Happens Next Day eh? because it's course. been one of those days. Yeah, and a shout out to Fairly Pies. Uh, we've just had a text in. My dad, Greg. Uh, Grew up in Fairley, and absolutely, you're absolutely right. Best pies in the country. Fact, Fact. five exclamation marks. Five. Fairly pies. Fairly. South Canterbury, yep, just inland Love from Timaru. Love good pie. Good okay, stuff. let's All right, go. What happens next? You can win 50 bucks from the TAB if you can guess <laughs> what happens next. Here is part one. There is nothing left in the Warriors at the moment. It is a long way to travel to try and get at least one point. And two minutes and 20 seconds remain. That's all I'm going to give you. Do you want it one more time? Yeah, one more time, please. There is nothing left in the Warriors at the moment. It is a long way to travel to try and get at least one point. And two minutes and 20 seconds remain. So Peter Sterling saying there's nothing left in the Warriors and Rabs Warren telling you there's two minutes and 20 seconds remaining. That's all I'm going to give you. Preliminary final. That's all I'm going to give you. Preliminary final. At Melbourne. That's all I'm going to give you. And, Stephen, it's called The Best Pies, The Baker and Tiro. Ah, Best Pies, The Baker and Tiro. There you go. Give it a give it a nudge. Oh, man, we've just gone off a little bit of a slant, have we? But I couldn't help myself. Pies. You know, but you going on about how you just go to take that first bite and look at it. And if there's all that gel, that, you know, that MSG, no, no thanks. But if I can see the end of... <laughs> And, and and you are taking it a bit far when you say individual the individual bits of mince. You just need to just can't glob them all together, and then you bite into it and all that grey. It's just not appealing. But anyway, what happens next? <laughs> Sterlo and Rabs are counting out the Warriors, and then they come back. I bet you I get it right today. It is one forty four. 1.49 here on SENZ Summer Days, wrapping up with uh, what happens next. So we'll start again with the initial audio. There is nothing left in the Warriors at the moment. It is a long way to travel to try and get at least one point. And two minutes and 20 seconds remain. 
Okay, so I, I suggested preliminary final, knowing I think I'm pretty sure I know what happens, but I'm wrong. Now, I think before we play the actual audio, I'm going to get Mark from Tauranga, who has rung us on 0800 150811. G'day, Mark. How's it going? Yeah, first time to call in, is it? It is, mate. Yeah, I, I just looked up your number and it came up, so I thought I'd give you guys a call. Oh, well, mate, that's exactly what you need to do all the time and, and tell us what you think. So, what do you think happens? And tell me how much you know about even the year and what the game was. Okay, so what I'm guessing, even before you kind of mentioned Melbourne, I was thinking 2008. Yep. And I was thinking... Um, I was thinking Ropadi gets it like in his, on his 30. Yeah. And he gets past Falaue, uh, I think I remember. Okay. And Keep then going. I, and he, he links with Manu. Manu steps inside Kronk. Yeah. And then I know he links with Wit. And Wit's in the top left hand corner. He's trying to hold the ball for a bit. They, they go to Clary in the block. And he's kind of panicking. But he gets the ball down before Cameron slips in there with the trying to knock the ball out. And uh, try and he converts it, I'm pretty sure, after that. Okay, hold the phone. Stay right there, Mark. Have a listen. There is nothing left in the Warriors at the moment. It is a long way to travel to try and get at least one point. And two minutes and 20 seconds remain. Rapati, a fend on Falau. A pass to Vatavai. He goes inside and away from Trump. He gets away from Jeremy Smith. He Michael gets away to Michael Witt. Michael Witt is going to score. What's he doing? Put it down. Put the ball down, son. <laughs> and he does eventually. And the Warriors have got home. You would think they've got home. The kick to come. Michael Witt has scored. It's 18-15. That was a long way to go, but they've got there in two tackles. Ah, uh, mate, you are on the money. It was week one of the 2008 finals, and uh, Melbourne went, and in the end, went on to make the grand final, but got pumped 40 0 by JD's man. You are on the money, mate. Congratulations. That is so cool. Now, John, what is Mark from Tauranga? First time caller win? He wins 50 bucks from the TAB, Mark. That was unreal. Uh, how many times have you watched that try, Mark? What, about 10, 15 times? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it's hard yeah. not to get excited when Rab's, Rab starts to go to a different level, isn't it? Yeah, no, nah, totally. I think even, um, I think they might have had Phil Gurlitt in there as well, and he was kind of rocking us off. I remember the lead-up to it. Um, we were on our own own line, and the other winger, I don't remember his name, he was a little white dude on the other wing. He made a real good catch to bring it back to the, you know, have a 20-metre kick. <laughs> oh, well, it was but, a, you know, it was a wicked... Oh, well, mate, congratulations. And look, don't be afraid to ring in again, mate, because this time around you've turned into be a winner. But thanks thanks for uh, being a part of the show today. Hang on the line and Brian will get all your details, mate. Have a cracking day. You too. Thank you very much. How about that? Mark from Tony, he could have called it himself. It's 153.